On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're investigating a murder involving Colin Firth and Tony Collette in The Staircase on Sky, going on the beat with Parminda Nagra in ITV's D.I. Ray, and bearing witness to the triumphant return of one Harry Bosch in Amazon Freebie's spin-off series, Bosch Legacy. Plus, Boy Talks 10% with star Jack Davenport and writer John Morton, and I get to live out a little Star Trek fantasy when I sat down with Kate Mulgrew, a.k.a. Captain Janeway, and Ella Purnell for Star Trek Prodigy. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your canary in a cage as we descend into the minds of peak TV, tweeting furiously about the great new shows being dredged up from the bowels of the earth while trying desperately not to choke on the bad ones. And joining me here in my quest for increasingly laboured metaphors are my two co-hosts. First, venerable TV critic and confidant to the stars, Boyd Hilton, a man whose IMDb page has been inexplicably updated to include the following personal quote. Noel... Edmonds is a ridiculous figure. He should stick to doing deal or no deal. He's very good at it. Almost everything he's ever said about life beyond deal or no deal or Noel's house party has been preposterous, I'm afraid. What? That's all, 100%. If you go to IMDb oh under personal God. quotes, it, it includes that wow. personal attack wow. on the venerable Noel Edmonds. That is amazing. Yeah. Why were you looking at that? Yeah, why <laughs> What the hell is the time. Yeah, you know. I, I like to spend my time just trawling Boyd's IMDb <laughs> I mean, page to see what's happening. <laughs> that is, you know what that is like? That is like Alan Partridge has got <laughs> irrational hatred of Noel Evans as well. <laughs> That's I, it. I, You've I, got full Partridge. Yeah, I've got full Partridge. Um, that is brilliant. Well, wow, I've no Poor idea. Noel. Poor Noel. Poor Noel. Although, having said that, do you stand this by this quote? I stand by it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's an absolute <laughs> bellend. Um, he was brilliant on Deal or No Deal. I mean, you've you probably never even heard. I'm supposed you've I've heard, heard of it. I've yeah, heard, heard of, of it. it. Yeah. Um, but he had this program on Sky years ago. Um, where he basically humiliated health and safety people. Do you remember when health and safety became a big thing among idiots? That you know, too much health and safety. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Do you yes, remember yes, that whole yes. period? It's kind of oh. still, it's still kind of a little bit of the kind of in quotes woke. Oh you know gosh. what they think is woke if you're worrying about people's health and safety. Oh and he he had this like live show with a student audience where he'd invite people on who were like counsellors from local councils and stuff, whose job it was to deal with this stuff and berate them in front of the audience. It wow. was unbelievable, honestly. So yeah, I have no qualms about my anti Noel Edmonds agenda. Jesus Christ. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, also with us is Beth Webb, whose views on Noel Edmonds are so far unreported. So that's uh, that's nice. <laughs> How are you, Beth? <laughs> I am uh, I'm five stars, Jane. Five stars, like a certain five-star review we got this week. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. I see what you've done here. I see what you've done here. Yeah. For anyone who is unfamiliar with what Beth is referring to, uh, I get a number. I get a, I get a choice selection of our iTunes reviews sent to my inbox so that I can peruse them at my leisure. Oh. And because I'm a masochist. And uh, we had one this week. <laughs> From someone known as OB underscore one. Oh, uh, we've named him if we in this because he, he slash she has said, <laughs> and I quote, Pilot TV podcast review, five stars. Yes. <laughs> Great for keeping on top of what's on, despite James. Fantastic start. Yeah. Fantastic. The review goes, I love the podcast as it is the most detailed in terms of what it covers. And the news and interviews are great, as well as the reviews. Yes. I find James to be one of the more irritating human beings placed on this earth. <laughs> I would not be his friend. <laughs> However, it is always quite good to have someone you hate in your circle of friends. And in this case, James fits the bill. Gold. The main alternative 
is the Radio 5 TV review, which has the benefit of not containing James. Wow. <laughs> but it's still not as good. <laughs> and he finishes by saying, at the end of the day, all TV reviewers are annoying as they basically get paid to do what we all do for free. So I like to think he brings you two into this yeah. as well. As well. I mean, I mean, say what you see, to be honest, OB underscore one. But... Yeah. Um, I mean, what a glowing review for us, to mm. be fair, that yeah. he's, he says he wouldn't have James as an active member no, of his friendship yeah. circle, but... I would not be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but says it would be five stars regardless. Yeah. We're doing a great job. I have yeah, enormous totally respect for them for the fact that I mean, I think it's they me. still <laughs> left a five-star review. Yeah. They still yeah. left a five-star review yeah. regardless. We are great. Yeah. We are five-star, mm. to yeah. be honest. It literally says in the title, despite James, yeah. five-star. So star. even with me pulling down the rating, yeah. you two managed to keep it. Yeah. And even stars. your bits are like a clear, like a hate listen yeah. for, for Obi. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's um, a real catharsis type yeah. thing. Well, Obi, yeah. thank you for, for the five-star review. I, I very much appreciate it. And thanks for sticking with us. Well, with Boyd and Beth and for mm. tolerating myself. So mm. thank you. Thank you for continuing to do so. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, God. What, uh, what have we been watching this week, people? Um, I've got a little bone to pick with boys. Oh, oh dear. Oh, no. Shots fired. Oh, God. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Like a moderate, like a moderate qualm. Um, Is it about Noel Edmonds? It's not about Noel Edmonds, but I've, no, not mm. quite. So I, on a, on a hangover on Sunday, sat down and binged the rest of Chivalry. Um, oh. just you know yeah. nice and easy to watch it's there yeah. uh, it's all in one go I was like great I'll sit down and watch it I found it just a little bit odd just yeah. a little bit tonally odd mm. um, she's great she's yeah. absolutely fucking great but it was interesting to me that it felt like a Nancy Myers romance against a background of me too. <laughs> I mean, first of all, there could be no greater description. That's like my dream um, project. So, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. That's a brilliant description of it. I just... But did... opinions do differ on this show, I have to admit. Yeah. yeah. Some people hate it. I mean, some people... Really? Have some like, yeah. What, what, on, like, on what grounds? Just like the comedy doesn't on end the, or... On the grounds that... Um, it is slightly. Um, it does. Uh, I'm trying not to spoil it. So the mm. ending, as I alluded mm. to last week, the rom-com element of it. Yeah. So you're, you're, this is what you're referring to, aren't you? Yeah. Really, it really arrives big time, yeah. like and towards the end, and they don't spend that much time establishing the rom, yeah. do they? Um, that ends up happening, if you like, um, really, until quite late on. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was quite interesting, really, in a way that. You know, everything's kind of unsaid between these characters, and then suddenly, yeah. it'll, you know, this all kind of comes to lie, if you like. But people have said, oh, they don't give you enough. There's no basis for. There's not enough basis for this relationship to hap what to to flower, and then hap what happens to it in the end to happen. There's no. There's not enough groundwork mm. laid, and I think that's valid criticism. I kind of was like, well. I kind of quite liked the way they did it. It was quite, but it was unusual, and and it is it does have a slightly. It does have odd. There are there are oddities about it, mm. but I kind of went yeah I kind of went with it. But yeah, I would have I would have taken less of an issue with it if they just withdrew the Me Too aspect of it right. and had right. a, a kind of you know them being in the position again we can't really spoil but there's this uh, you know there's there's big romantic gestures that are happening yeah and it feels like those are quite strong. I even like there's there's some commentary on marriage and kind of. Um, 
relationships from different, you know, where the two people are from different cultures as well, so some really interesting things. But, you know, they're, they're, there are those really powerful scenes that you mentioned sort of midway through the, the season where they do comment on sexual abuse within the industry, deep-rooted, mm. institutionalised abuse, and, you know, not just between the perpetrator and the victim, but as well between the survivor, sorry, perpetrator and the survivor, but between the people who are complacent in that, mm. um, you know, something that is a, a much broader conversation now as well. You know, when you think about things like the Noel Clark report and things, just to, mm. to pull one out there. So we had those really important conversations about halfway through the the season. And um, that was, you know, against watching The Hangover, not, you know, that, that kind of floored me. Real gut punch scenes and the detail and, you know, what they were saying about that. It wasn't just a case of kind of plonking it down there and be like, oh, aren't men horrible? It's, it's, it's more complex. It's more nuanced than that. So to then pivot from that storyline, from those scenes and those character developments to a really quirky romance felt very odd to me. Mm. It felt very odd. And to kind of bake me too into some of those romantic moments just felt a little bit wrong felt mm. a little bit wrong to me I would have much rather you know and then you've got those things happening and then suddenly a cameo from John C. Riley. do you know oh, oh Paul Rogers shows up and yeah. you're like okay if this was like an industry romance I think if they'd have just extracted that and had it as kind of a charming like uh sort of roguish romance between the two that had some social commentary on relationships and the industry fine that they had to politicise it with me too and have those really beautifully performed beautifully written mm. scenes in there and then not explore that quite as fully as I would have really liked it to have done and gone in a different direction which does involve some actual romantic comedy tropes like by the book romantic yeah, yeah. comedy tropes yeah. felt really yeah, quite wrong to me. And I think it was a missed opportunity and it maybe should have just been two two different shows. Mm. It was almost like they had all these things to say, but they had to apply it to the framework of a of a romantic comedy. And I thought it just didn't it didn't quite work because of that. Beautifully performed, loved her. Yeah. He's always just gonna be him. He's always gonna be Steve Keegan yeah. and everything he's yeah. in, which is why again I'm fucking dreading the Jimmy Savile drama. <laughs> but um <laughs> from for myriad reasons. But like, yeah, that was that was uh a psych yeah, it's inter- it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it does. I could. I mean, I would have been perfectly happy with it not to have had the rom element. One or the other. One I or the other. Rom or com. Rom or com. But I remember. I think in the interview with Sarah Solomoni that I did that that, that he did bring it very up. Po- I did mm-hmm. bring it up. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think for them it felt like um, a really. They're constantly like. I think both of them definitely from her point of view, mm-hmm. like she wanted to kind of push the boundaries of what might seem wrong like that's definitely one of her things oh, like absolutely. you know like so the fact that it it's 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 quite jarring yeah. i think she likes that yeah. you know so the whole idea of these two people coming together in a romantic situation in the middle of all the other stuff that they do depict on the show. Yeah. I mean, as you say, the sequence where she talks about what's happened to her is very oh powerful. God. The Wanda yeah. Sykes, you see, I think the Wanda Sykes character's reaction to it is so brilliantly, oh, that's fantastic. a fantastic element of it. Which, yeah. Again, yeah. how women, you know, in Hollywood particularly, yeah. don't necessarily support other women and what they've been doing. And that was dramatized brilliantly by Wanda Sykes' characters and Absolutely. her responses. But I kind of went along with their, their kind of interesting creative decision that you have completely pinpointed to just go for it and have a, this extraordinary thing happen within the context of that whole analysis of the Me Too stuff. Mm. So 
Yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's it's absolutely. I think you're not. Yeah, there's lots of people who've had a similar reaction. Yeah, yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, what's which? Which the? I mean, we can't even talk about Better Call Saul, really. I. Uh, well, we can talk about uh, how how fantastic. It, is, it was we? fucking yeah. fantastic, but I feel like that's all we can really say. Yeah. So I what's like... what's aired thus far? Three, three have aired, and you've three. seen. This one was a big one. Yeah, the third episode was phenomenal, okay. wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was, was like a, a classic, a classic episode, a standout classic. Episode. I must watch this show. Yes, I must, must watch, watch this show. We can say that it was all about Nacho. It was all about Nacho. All about Nacho. It's fucking great. Um, I was speaking to Chris Chris Hewitt yesterday off the, in the aftermath, and he said it was spoiled for him in the first uh, few minutes with the certificate. Um, oh. There is some information. See, I can't even give that away. And it was, it was interesting. I was trying to make sure my partner didn't do the same mistakes, so it wasn't spoiled for him. But I also couldn't tell them why. So I was sort of trying to allude to the fact that he shouldn't pay close attention to the opening few <laughs> minutes of the episode without telling him what he shouldn't be paying attention to. Oh my god, that's so that ridiculous! I... That because I didn't pay any attention to it at all. No, I, I didn't. I never do. Yeah. But because I guess How Chris annoying. is so hooked, yeah. but he saw it and it. I can't even say why. Now I need to have there. a look and see what it says. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolute master. It's just a masterpiece of, of an hour of an hour of television. Yeah, yeah it we really... can say. And it starts with this extraordinary tracking shot, doesn't it? In yeah. the in the kind of um, desert, the wilds, and the kind of um, you know. Um, just, just kind of like it's just a tracking shot of kind of grassy knolls and kind yeah. of a barren landscape for a long time. Yeah. Sustains that shot, and then it alights on something, which then proves to have significance in the end. Yeah, and that whole beautifully done—they just find ways of telling these stories that are so mm. fascinating, aren't they? Definitely, absolutely stunning. Yeah, it, it, it's just an incredible, incredible piece of work. Yeah, you really have to catch up. I will. Or... It's on my list. Yeah, it's I just know, a very long list. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Every time you berate me for not watching them. There's also a brilliant bit. <laughs> you just remind there is a, there's an incredible I'm trying without spoiling it, where Saul Goodman as he now is, yeah. um, Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman, is is confronted by that guy, that's mm. what I was gonna say, and who asks him why he's doing the things he's doing. Yeah. I thought that scene was so brilliant. That was because it's like that this is like a kind of like Taking the point the point of view of the viewer yeah. and the whole thing, the yeah. whole process that he's going through, and the viewer's kind of like going, "Why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you sure?" And this character within the fiction is challenges him on it. It's yeah. really brilliantly, it's really a brilliant moment. Good. It was so clever. I yeah. am nervous now, though. I'm nervous about the rest of it. Um, it's made me very nervous. In what way? Oh, about what's going to happen to characters? Yeah. No, oh, right. Yeah, of course. Fucking yeah. nervous. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then on the upside, Derry Girls was fun. just consistently great. I'll, I'm just going to say it every single every single week. <laughs> consistently brilliant, wonderful, sweet, so beautifully tonally great. Devastated it's going to end. Respect them for ending it. Um, and then finally, I'm still watching Pachinko Weekly, and the episode on Friday was an origin episode. And usually, I can't fucking stand <laughs> character origin stories. This was one of the most masterful, beautifully made, historically significant pieces of telly I've at least seen this year. I've never seen something quite like this before. Very beautiful. I cannot stress enough. I feel that people aren't really talking about it in the UK. Mm. Like I've, I've thoroughly, thoroughly recommend you watch this. It's uh, it's it was really stunning, remarkably made television. It's uh, Koganada directed this episode. He's a filmmaker who's done some really beautiful um, films. But yeah, this uh, this show is just extraordinary uh, and goes from strength to strength every week. So please watch it. Okay. Have you? I know Boyd has. I think Boyd has. Have you watched the most recent Moon Knight? No, I haven't. Do you know what? 
It's it's not getting me. It's not engaging me. And this is someone is who it, would... Is it my fault, Beth? Have <laughs> I somehow ruined Moonlight for you? The only reason the James Wins this programme up. That's not the reason and I bring you know up Moonlight. It's not, because he's warmed on me significantly. Um, but I... Uh, the the last episode which last week just played out like a poor man's legion and I love legion it is very legion-esque yeah yeah I thought that but he and this is someone oh who it's like, full a 100% yeah, yeah it really, very, but, but it's genius but surely it's just legion though legion's done that. legion has fewer hippos Beth and I think that's the clear <laughs> distinction here <laughs> I mean, I've got, I'm obviously going to watch it. I'm going to watch it this week. And I would walk through fire for Oscar Isaac. And I'm so thrilled to see him play this kind of multiple versions of kind of what you'd hope to have seen with his um, Star Wars character. You know, when you see him raiding, you want to see him raiding what would have been planets yeah. and being cheeky and being a little bit nerdy and charming and sweet. And to see him run with that and see what they could have done with him in Star Wars, one of its multiple flaws. Um then that is rewarding to watch. The rest of the show just don't get me. And I'm so I've just seen all the bits that I love in Legion. So no, I haven't seen it. Just right. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to know. Was well, so it Legion also... and Aubrey Plaza? So this yeah. doesn't have Aubrey Plaza. That is true. That's true. But again, it does have a hippo. It also it also reminded me a little bit of various points. You think about the hippo, you know, of, of the OA, which of course had the talking octopus. That's true. It's old knights. Old knights, yeah. yeah. And um Every now and then, there are bits of it that remind me of the OA. As anything that's that wildly yeah. out of, but it is so. And I, what I like about this is that when Oscar Isaac agreed to do this, Kevin Feige showed him the scripts for episode one and episode five, mm. and I totally see why he was like, "Yes, I will do this show." <laughs> yeah, the two his he is incredible. Like his portrayal of the two iterations mm. of of himself, Martin yeah. Stephen, yeah, um, are astonishingly brilliant. And and technically, the um, and the, 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 but. I, I know what Beth means though. I like I, I'm in two minds about it. I'm really I'm I mean, I'm loving him and I love the audacity of it and, and the kind of you really don't know what's real and not real, you know, that yeah. that whole theme of it. But that that whole thing and I found this with Legion actually. Legion got a bit annoying. It did. It, did. it felt self indulgent. Yeah. Mm. Not saying it's perfect chair. No. I'm just saying it did what it wanted to do right. sooner and a lot of other for me, things. Yeah, see, for me, and I'm not gonna bang on about the OA, but for me the brilliance of the OA above <laughs> all of these things yeah. was that it was rooted in characters and a, It was and a, rooted in the Internet of Trees, boy. <laughs> but but do you know what? There's the the genius of it is that yes, these wild ideas and wild turns, but because they made they they laid the groundwork in season one yeah. for all the madness that then happened in season two, and, and we'll only ever know what, what was to follow. Yeah. Whereas I don't think these shows take the time, and it's probably what makes them massive. I mean, you know, really, they don't need to take the time mm. to do what they do. They slash, you know, they they slam you into the narrative and the excitement and the car chases and then the different worlds and the different... It's it's a non-stop, hectic, wild ride, and that's brilliantly enjoyable, but it doesn't get to me in any way near the way that something like the OA... I mean, just literally the OA, I'm just banging on about that. So, <laughs> but... So I am enjoying it, but it isn't... It's not moving me in any way whatsoever, and even the... Episode 5 has you know, backstory, doesn't it? It has the backstory of yeah. what would necessarily cause mm. the mental anguish of this character to split its personality, his, his personality. Mm. And it's dealing with, it's treading on interesting grounds. It's dealing yeah. with mental health in quite an interesting, you know, and I don't think, I have to say, I don't think it's necessarily doing it particularly um, tastefully. I have what, to, because of the hippo? Because of the hippo and other <laughs> issues. You know, I'm not being um, moralistic, but it, I do feel it's slightly creepy and annoying the way it's... So I have issues with that. And then... It's not moving me, even the stuff that should be moving me, because it is. It has got. Once you establish a very glib, anything goes tone, mm. 
um, I th- it's difficult to then expect people to really care about your kind of deep, profound, revelatory, moving bits about, I guess people, about people's childhoods, places. really dark places. Yeah. yeah, fine, and that's really interesting. It was interesting, and but not moving. It didn't move me. I see. All. I found it quite moving. Okay. I actually thought it quite. It really hit hard. I thought. Uh, but we've been through all this on the spot of special. So oh, if you'd like to hear sorry. a slightly more positive <laughs> take on, if you get our opinions for free. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This, that's true. Enjoy podcast. Beth and yeah. Boyd's opinions for free. Five star uh, TV critics. For mine, yeah. you'll have to pay for it. So <laughs> head over to mbarmline.com slash spoiler specials. I know Obi Wan will be over there right now, parting with hard earned cash to get more of me in their ears. Um, anything else, Boyd, you would like to share? Yes. Um, I was going to mention um, uh, that I watched, so you don't have to, the debut night of Talk TV with Piers Morgan. Oh, why would you yes. do that? Because, because he was on it. No, I was yeah, not I bet on you it. were. No. Yeah. no. Oh, GB News correspondent Boyd Hilton. No. <laughs> I will not be going on it, but I will say this. Was this the Donald Trump one? This is the Donald Trump yeah. one, which is divided into two uh, nights of Donald Trump, wow. unbelievably. Ooh. But what I'd say is, it was way worse than I thought it was going to be. Uh, as in, I thought it was going to be terrible. As in worse, like, just incompetent? Or? It, no, not incompetent, comically, comically, stupidly. I, it, oh, you've got to what? If you no. have a moment, it's on. A, no. I think it's on 8 o'clock, 7 or 8 o'clock, the Piers Morgan every weeknight. The title sequence is absolutely hilarious. It's literally the day-to-day. I'm not the first person <laughs> to make this observation. <laughs> but remember the day-to-day? <laughs> Dong, bing, all, all that thing, shoot, the globe. Things shooting out of the globe. It literally has... Phrases shooting at the girl like woke, we won't be woke, and then and on the on the first night I recorded it because I was doing hosting an event, and it, his pomposity, yeah. um, and you know I'm 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 going to get you if you're anti woke and if you're I I get your back, and they did a little turn to the camera at one point he turns from one camera to another literally like Alan Partridge <laughs> would, and it's so brilliantly terrible Oish. and quite the, the, you know what he did with the, the, just from a kind of technical point of view with this. He did this with all of his previous Donald Trump interviews, if you, for ITV, right? He would, he kind of slices and dices them up. So you don't just get an interview with Donald yeah. Trump the last for half an hour or an hour, whatever, and then you're left to decide what you think of this interview. He like, he'll have a VT previewing the interview. He'll have clips of the interview. Then he'll run a bit of the interview. Then he has a voiceover talking no. about himself interviewing Donald Trump no. and what Donald Trump's about to say later in the bit that we haven't watched yet. And he'll split it up into two oh parts. And it'll be like, and it's like, just show us the fucking interview. If you've got faith in your own skills as an interviewer of this monstrous piece of horrendousness that is Donald Trump, just show us the fucking interview. Let it play out. But it, it shows you how unconfident he is, I think, about his own journalism and about his own that the fact that he's totally compromised when it comes to Donald Trump because they're basically mates that, doesn't he walk out well he didn't really no that's the thing that was how it was trumpeted but it was kind of like not like jokingly not really you know and you know there are bits of the interview that are quite interesting because he does challenge him on the on the whole you know vote thing and the fact that they were, you know this whole thing was there was never any evidence whatsoever that there was any problem with the vote and Donald and they're having a kind of argument about it and Donald Trump kind of a little bit you know, kind of threatens to walk out, but doesn't really. It's all very cosy, really. But all those, it's all kind of ruined by the fact that he hasn't got confidence in his own ability to be fair, to, to actually, you know, kind of properly challenge him on all kinds of issues as well. So it was interesting watching it. But I will never watch that. Of course you won't, no. no. But it was, as I say, I, I expected it to be bad, the whole thing, but it was much mm. worse than I thought. Oh, God. And there's the whole other thing with Sharon Osbourne, which is just unbearable. Well, I didn't watch that, but <laughs> I did watch... Again, like a moth to a flame, like the masochist that I am, I am up to date with Star Trek Picard. (laughs) 
I'm not going to go on about it. I just say that it continues to break my heart on a weekly basis and I'm just sad. So we'll, oh, we'll, we'll just leave it there. What's going wrong? What's the crux of it? What has gone wrong with this? Because the first series is perfectly entertaining. The first, the first series was flawed, but yeah. good. And I think it ran a, a nice balance between doing new things, but also being nostalgic. Whereas this is, I don't even know if I'd call it fan service. It's just reheating old stuff. Old characters, old situations, often old lines of dialogue oh from the show, from the films, from somebody. And so there's nothing. It just feels incredibly derivative. It feels completely unoriginal. And all the stuff that isn't reheated is just really flat and uninspiring. And I just don't understand what possessed them to do this with the second season of the show. It just seems such a dreadful idea. I'm not enjoying it at all. Like It's genuinely the definition of a hate watch for me at the moment. Oh it just, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm just, detesting it I'm, but I'm going to press with it because season 3 brings back all the original crews so obviously I want to watch that uh, I'm very excited that but it's, it's heartbreaking it's uh, genuinely well, this awful this isn't fun for me I like it when you're yeah. like angry at stuff but I think yeah. you need to it be, just like, makes me sad. sad don't do this honestly it's very upsetting so to make myself feel better from that I picked up We Are Lady Parts which Yes, which I didn't finish initially because of the avalanche oh, yeah. of TV that we have to watch. And I'd forgotten just how fucking brilliant yes! it is. Uh, like, it's genuinely, it's genuinely so, so good. Yeah. And and I'd, I'd forgotten also just Anjana Vasan does the most spectacular kind of wide-eyed, manic, deer-in-the-headlights face acting. Yeah. She's just magnificent. All the members of the band are magnificent, quite yeah. frankly. But just the circumstances from from the sort of like live audition they do for the for the Battle of the Bands type thing, the wedding scenario, yeah. all of it is just, it's great. I'm loving it. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Just four girls screaming system of a down at each other in a Peugeot 206, whatever <laughs> it is, as they're driving to the countryside. Mm. Just so joyful. And the songs are really good yeah. the song like Bashir with a good beard I yeah. thought this, this is a banger I like yeah. this yeah yeah I love it very belatedly very belatedly, very belatedly I've come that. to this yeah. um, it could well I think it would, it's, it's nominated for a lot of BAFTAs which is yes, yes. Sunday next That's Sunday right. and I think it could win I hope so yeah. I hope so it's very very smartly written uh, one other thing I did quickly there. want to mention sorry one other thing was Heartstopper so I finished Heartstopper yeah. on that, which has had a massive response. Yeah. And in fact, we, I, I had, we had um, a guy called Craig Thompson tweeted me, I think us both, in fact, all, all of us, saying right. that he watched it all back to back and um, not for the show as such. He, he's been sobbing about the reflection on missed experiences. And that's a lot of people have been saying mm. that how, you know, this, this, the, the, this generation, it's, you know, it shows you how different it is for this generation, yeah. this whole thing. And it is, I have to say, it's brilliantly done. The, the, the whole the whole way they depict this romance between these two boys, it's fantastic. It is really, really clever and smart um, and really incredibly moving. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a triumph for Netflix. Netflix is getting a lot of shit at the moment, but it's done this show. It does do a lot of, you know, sex education, this show. Yeah. It is doing a lot, I think, when it comes to proper diversity and, you know, sexuality and gender mm. and the way it deals with those things, particularly for young people, I think is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, the other thing I would like to talk about is two very, very quick things. One is I finished Shining Girls. Now, obviously, this is dropping week by week. Yes, so I, I can't... Oh, you haven't finished it? No, so don't boydy, you dare boydy, say boydy, anything boydy. at all. I wouldn't yeah. anyway, because obviously it's dropping week by week and it's only yeah. just started for everyone listening to this right. podcast. But I banged on about this enough last week, so I don't need to do it again now. But, I mean, it's very, very... Very good. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm very, very watch good. All of it, definitely. Mm. Oh, I need to. Yeah, oh, I need to do that now. Okay. Yes, watch all of it. Okay, enjoyed that. I only lot. had the first four episodes when before I interviewed it. Was oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's very good, and and they make very very 
very shrewd You're changes. You're saying very, 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 very shrewd changes from the source material, which yes. I think is very smart. Right. But that's very good. The other thing I did is last night I went out, as one does, to a screening of Downton Abbey, <laughs> A New Era, which I appreciate is technically a film, but it's spun off of TV series, and I think we can talk about it here. I reviewed this on the Empire podcast last week, but oh my God, I, this warmed the little cockles of my heart. I fucking loved it. Um, and I didn't expect to, because there was a part of me, because like, the, the previous Downton movie was fine. Like, it was okay. Yeah. Like, it didn't really do much for me. It felt a little no. bit overwrought, if I'm honest with you. Like, and, you know, Oh, the fun. whole storyline about the assassination thing was oh, fucking yeah, it was terrible. Just, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so, Let's face you it. Know, uh, yeah, yeah, like it was ridiculous. But with this one, it was just like, like as a film, it's fine. But like, it's the perfect Downton experience. Like everything about it is pitch perfect. It's wonderful. You've got the Brits abroad thing. You've got like Hollywood and Downton thing. And I would say I'm not going to spoil anything. But I just think the last 15 minutes is. If look, I couldn't imagine a more perfect send-off to this series than the last 15 minutes of this film. It's magnificently thought out. People might say, oh, it's patronising. People might say, oh, it's just really cynical and obvious. And all of these things are true. But it's wonderful. And I genuinely, like, it's properly moving as well. Like, at the end, I just felt, oh, I was like, it was my happy place. I liked it a lot. Mm, it I brilliant. didn't listen to the episode where you kind of were introduced to Downton, so I am fucking baffled as to how this Was introduced? Beth, I was there from the beginning. Oh I, like, I've been watching yeah, this from the get-go. one weird outlier. Yeah. There's, loads of, there's loads of... like He's constantly banging on about things that he hates, and then there's a massive outlier that kind of completely undermines his alleged hatred of that yeah. thing. Like comedies. Like now he's like, you know, We Are Lady Parts suddenly yeah. is another yeah. comedy that he likes on top of all the other comedy. comedy no a musical yeah. comedy, right. So yeah, he's weird. It, it was it was, um, it was was Terry who suddenly yes. converted. Yeah, I converted right. Terry yeah. Yeah, converted Terry, and she binged the entire thing in like mm, two weeks. Yeah, it is. It is insane. I I saw it. As, I I love it as well. I have to say, I have to completely mm. agree. Um, I think it's the best two hours of Downton so oh, far. Oh, without a doubt. For it's, me, it's like a five yeah. star Downton experience. It's yeah. a three star it's film, so but it is a five star. Oh, no, it's a four star film. Downton. Four star film. You think it's four? See, I, I gave it three because I was just like, you idiot. No, no. <laughs> I've got to no. judge a film by what it's selling out to do, and what this is selling out to do, it <laughs> achieves almost. Whether it's four or five is the only question for me. Like three? What are you thinking? I, I had to give it three. No. I felt like I just felt like as a no. film, like it just like it, it's fine, like it's serviceable, it works, no, it's good. Absolutely, but, but I just think as a Downton experience, ah, it's a triumph. The whole thing, so. the whole storyline about the making of the film in Downton is brilliantly done. I'm sorry, it and is. It is a really yeah. clever, smart. You know, I kind mean, of little uh, thing, except, except I'm just going to say the Laura Haddock thing. Well, I found it funny. Genius. It is so, so mind blowingly cynical and classist and just thoroughly offensive no, on so many levels. No. But I didn't find it. I, I thought it was fucking hilarious. But, like, I mean, it's, yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing at this point. Yeah. And also, fair play to him. I think the arts, the artistry in giving everyone something to do with a cast that broad yeah. to give everyone something to do is magnificent. He has so many plates spinning that the screenwriting of this is absolutely People top notch. People diss him. People diss, um, mm. uh, what's his name? Julian Fellows. Julian Fellows, thank mm. you. Um, uh, for, and he does, he does use cliché a lot. Oh yeah, he leans into it. He, he leans doesn't give in. a shit. He yeah. leans in. I mean, he just basically uses cliches constantly. He kind of brilliantly gets away with it. Um, and I think you're right. Like Gosford Park was a fucking brilliant film. I really need to watch Gosford Park. I used to watch Gosford Park like, every six months because it's such a one of my Ooh, happy place films. Yeah. And that meeting of Robert Altman and him just worked brilliantly. Yeah. And that was really the mm. basis for I yeah. always thought of yeah. a Downton. But you're right. His the the myriad like what twenty twenty five. I know it's mad. Roles. It's mad. They're all like you feel like you know. 
know all of those people, yeah. and, and they all, all get something to do. They all get something They're to not do. just popping in there. And, out, and the new characters are brilliant. Mm, like yes, Dominic West's character, I thought was fantastic, and yeah. really, and he's also a kind of he's a Tory lord. Let's face it, but he's completely progressive when it comes to like social issues. Yeah, they did. He always had in terms of race, sexuality. All in, 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 he really deals with that stuff very well. I think in Downton. So yeah, I think it's an absolute triumph. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I still gave Four it three stars. stars, and I got to be honest, I kind of stand by that. No. But, but I, I genuinely, I have not enjoyed myself at the cinema more, I think, in a long time. Because I, I think I'd forgotten how much I loved the show. Like, genuinely, mm, yeah. I'd just forgotten. And I went back to it. I was like, oh my God, like, Downton rules. <laughs> like, That's because the first one was just, was just blah, yes, wasn't it? and it was blah. It was blah yeah, exactly with that. a whole storyline that was terrible, right. the assassination yeah. storyline. This, he's completely pulled it back. He's completely created something that this is exactly what you want of a Downton film. There'll definitely be more. There's no way they're stopping this uh, this one. See, I don't know. See, uh, this oh. is, and, and genuinely, this makes me sad that there'll be more. I don't want there to be more because you could not have a more perfect ending. I agree. And but... I think anything more would just ruin it. I think just stop here because this now makes it a perfectly formed story. I think it's going to be massive hit and I think they'll definitely do more. Oh, no, I really they hope They all enjoy don't. it too much. I was listening to Hugh Bonneville on the radio this morning saying he just loves it so much. I'm like, sure. Wouldn't he, I'm sure. Know? But I just, again, I just think, I just think enough is enough. Like, know when to quit while you're ahead, and they are ahead, and they should quit. Okay. Anyway, well, we'll see. I don't, I don't need Downton Abbey the next generation. Like, just no, no, <laughs> absolutely <Yeah>. not. <laughs> right. Well, uh, let's have this week's interview. I think now we reviewed this show last week, but Boyd sat down with 10% writer John Morton and star Jack Davenport to talk all about their Call My Agent adaptation, uh, which is airing now on Prime Video. So have a listen to this thank you john and jack welcome to the pilot tv podcast um john this must have been a weird project for you to, to um take an existing show and turn to a british show with your very unique sensibilities but i think you've done it did you have any qualms at all about um taking on the project yeah of course <laughs> um yes because of because of what what you just said really because um partly because i was and am a huge fan of the original show so you know, though it's very exciting to be um, thinking about the prospect of, of of doing something with that, um, for the same reasons that it's exciting, it's very, very daunting. And because the challenge is, of course, that, you know, leaving aside what, what I try to do as a writer, to, we, we as British, as Brits, you know, move and behave very differently from the way that French people and French culture and French entertainment industry the the, the 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 rhythms are all different, and so could so the question, the challenge, the still unanswered question is: Can you take the heart of what the French show is and transplant it into different soil, and what's the shape of the thing that will grow when you've done that? Um, so that was the journey we've been on, really. Um, and yeah, so we we'll, we'll soon to find out whether that's deemed to have been a worthwhile journey or not. <laughs> Because it does retain you, I feel it does re- retain your sensibility, your of your way with dialogue and and the, particularly the way that show people speak and react and interrelate one another is quite unique. And I think you do capture that. Was that something that in in the sense kind of ignore the detail of the the original script and and bring your own way of writing that dialogue to this to the to the show? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I. I it, um... I, I didn't. Yeah, I had to. I had to find a way of liberating myself from the original show because because I was such. I am such a fan of it, and you, if it was over my shoulder all the time, you know, I'd never. I'd never push through the kind of fear and doubt and lack of confidence to find a new 
center of gravity. So what I did was I, I uh, went back and watched the first season again, which I'd already watched as a viewer, but I watched it properly, professionally, as it were, slowly and analytically. And then I, as it were, closed the book. I haven't been back to the, seasons, to the French show since then. So it's in there somewhere. But, and, but then, you know, the way that Jonathan Jack's character is or the way that you know, all the, that, that's all... I became loyal to a different version of those characters, actually surprisingly quickly. And then, and then, and then you're sort of feel freer to go go on and make shapes with these new with these new components. And Jack, what, how did you feel? What, what was it like? Were you a fan of the original? Did you uh, just uh, yeah. any thought of that and focus on? Yeah, of course. I mean, unsurprisingly, you know, algorithms know us very well at this point, and when. Uh, the French version first appeared on Netflix. Surprise, surprise. I'm right in the crosshairs of like, you might like this because it's sort of about you. Uh, and you're a bit of a narcissist. Um, and um, and so I, I watched about four episodes and loved it. Um, and then just really, it's not a knock on the show at all. It's just, you know, we live in an era of peak TV and, and I don't actually spend all day and all night watching television. So it just kind of, you know, it got lost in my Netflix queue, I guess. Um, and then this came up and then I got the job and I was like, I, 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 I can't wait to see the original or, you know, the three and a half seasons I haven't seen, but when I'm done, playing this character because as John says, I feel it's both a sort of loyalty, but it's also I'm in it. And, and I, and I sort of, it'll be, it'll be a very delightful kind of after the fact, like, you know, when, when, whenever we stop doing this to kind of see what the OG version, you know, how Mm -hmm. that really played out and actually play those kind of comparison games that, you know, people who have seen all of it, you know, will hopefully want to play. Um, but what I did see, I absolutely adore, because how could you not, really? Absolutely. But th- I think this, as, as somebody who works with uh, fairly regularly mm-hmm. and deals with and sees a little bit from the outside that world, this feels incredibly accurate, particularly your character. I think, Jonathan, as a man working in that world, dealing with actors and um, being very manipulative... <laughs> And would well, um, say, I, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they will say way about journalists, of course. But I feel it captured a certain type of agent so well. Did you recognise when you when you read? Oh yeah, I, of course. I mean, I, I, for good or ill, I've had an agent since I was 14, and um, so I, so I'm pretty familiar with the territory. But you know, there's a version of this show. Which could, which you could do, which is would be very cynical and kind of like they're just hard edged, backstabbing, clambering over each other. You know, sure we could do that, but you know, one of the 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 things that John does so beautifully as a writer is he has this sort of um, tenderness towards like human frailty, and and there's a sort of, it's, it's almost like. comedy via compassion in a way and you know it's easy to paint show business as just a world populated by narcissistic bubbleheads who don't know their arse from their elbow (laughs) but it's a bit more complicated than that and 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 one of the things i think that, that john did in our version which is very different from the french one is 
the character that Tim McKinney plays, uh, Simon Gould, who is this, you know, mm. when you first meet him, you think, okay, he seems like a bit of a punchline. And the way Jonathan treats him is pretty monstrous. But as the story develops, you, he, quite frankly, is the sort of, the like the moral centre of the whole thing, really. Um, and as actors, like we are all Simon Gould in a way. And and one of the things I think we that gets to be explored both through the, the actors that are in it, but also obviously the agents is that, you know, being an actor is, is the, is being vulnerable in public. Like that's the job. <laughs> and it, it requires a delicacy of touch as far as agents are concerned, because there's these two very different things. There's this kind of hard edge business side and, but on the other hand, there's this very delicate emotional relationship that you have to have. And it depends what kind of actor you are and like your levels of neediness or whatever you want to call it. But most jobs don't require you to wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, it, it, it did feel very recognisable. But also, you know, as you alluded to at the beginning of this, you know, John's understanding of comic rhythm means that there's all these kind of stealth gags littering the landscape. Mm. Um, and again, one of the things I love, I've always loved about John's work, and, and to be honest, and I never say this, I even love about our show, even though I'm in it, <laughs> um, is, 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 is that, you know, we don't hang around just to go, that was a joke. It's like, if you miss it, well, tough shit. There'll be another one yeah. along in a second, but it's like that's very confident. Um, and and I think makes for a very kind of I mean, look, I when I when I'm in things, I watch them like once, like this, mm. right? Because mm. you have to, but I've seen this all the way through four times because I love it. And I mm. and, and I love watching everyone else be amazing. Yeah. And and I I never feel that way. I mean, not that I never feel the people I work with are amazing, but I never want to make sure I haven't missed any details because it's just now if I can watch it four times and whilst, you know, obviously hating myself throughout, that's just a given. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's, you know, that says something, I think, for the overall, you know, kind of quality of the of the finished products, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. John, yeah, completely. The texture of it is so... Um real and what you love a meeting don't you john because let's face it he loves a meeting you love a meeting because you get the hierarchies of the people within the Mm. meeting you get the little verbal tics that people use in meetings they get the dog in this case oh um, yeah yapping away what is it about the meeting situation that works so well for you or that you are um, uh, uh, you know so masterful i it's weird because i'm not i'm i don't i've never lived in a meeting a meeting heavy environment ever. Um, but um, uh, I think it's, I think it's because I, I you know, what, what the old fashioned word for it is subtext where I just love the gap between the, the, the thing that the meeting is apparent nominally about in this, so we're in the agent's world. In this case, it's the problem of the episode, Kelly McDonald or whoever. And then, but the, what's really interesting to me is, well, that's fine. That's got to work like a piece of crop work if you can make it work like that. But beneath, it's the next layer down. And it's because, and this is where the British is different from French culture. It's what's not being said or, you know, it's, which, and to invite, to sort of t- tip the wink to an audience, look, just lean in a bit. And there's something much more interesting going on uh, around the table. And, 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 you know, you need really good actors who have internalized that 
and you and then it's then it's all down to precision. And you also, I mean, this is I mean, this is another another subject really. But you need a brilliant editor who is who is who is not is, will not will, doesn't tell me to shut up and go home because you know get a life, but will say no. I know where that take is. Like I will sometimes say to Rob, yeah, this is all fine, but there was one take somewhere. And where Maggie hit that line, the second bit of that, literally the second bit of that word, she went up. And instead of saying, you're mad, John, get a life, go home, Rob will go, yeah, 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 I, I know where that is. I know where it is. And he'll go and find it and we'll take, we'll nick the sound mm. from that take and we'll put it on the, you know. So that level of precision is there with the actors. And it, it's the old cliche that it's, to, it's the hard work of making something that is hard look easy and look mm. natural. And, but you need really brilliant actors to do it. And the annoying thing is it looks easy. I'm just going to ask, finally, uh, the, the, the guests, the people, the actors playing themselves are so well chosen. For example, like the Kelly McDonald choice in the first episode feels like she absolutely might be in the middle of that situation oh. where she's up for a huge role, life career changing role, and, and they have issues oh. with her. Similarly, <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter and Olivia Williams would way, may well be vying for what, that role in the, in the episode. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. It's, do you know what, how, how important that is, Jack, that, that, that those choices of specific people to play those guest stars are so key, aren't they? They are. And, you know, w- one of the real joys of it as one of the cast members who's obviously playing a pretend person (laughs) is is you know you don't get points in our show for like turning up and sort of like good for you you're a good sport the 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 dilemmas that are depicted are felt to me very real and very believably real and so seeing and of course none of our guests are really giving away the store and showing you exactly who they are they're not idiots (laughs) <laughs> but 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 still watching them in real time kind of navigate that um you know as i'm you know i'm in it and and it was fun so hopefully for audiences it's i mean i will say this when we started it's merely a virtue of the fact that i've been doing this for far too long that i've either i either know very well or have worked with like 80% of the guests we've had in season one, right? And the first one I worked with was Olivia Williams. And I've known Olivia since like 1995. And she was the first guest I had to shoot scenes with. Yeah. And I completely pulled the rug out from under me because it, it was like vertigo. I, I, I was like, okay, hang on. You're you, sort of. I'm not me. <laughs> Uh, what's happening? It was very disconcerting. And then I kind of found my footing and then it became, and then further down the road, you know, like uh, there's an episode with David and Jess Oyelowo. I've been in a film, the same film with both of them in which David's wife played my wife. Um, so the kind of hall of mirrors just was getting very weird, but also really fun. And, uh, and yeah, and that is one of the real pleasures of it. I must say. John, were you deliberately toying with with uh, with Jack with those with those choices of cast? Um, no, I wish I could say. No, I'm just I'm just an old lag who's <laughs> been around for far too long. Okay, the, fine. The, story, the stories of how we got, you know, how one gets those people into the show. You know, it's you you will not be surprised to hear that it's it's full of happenstance and luck and you know being in the right place at the right time um, and just trusting the little talk. We got very very lucky eight times. So, yeah. Well, um, I think we're running out of time, but congratulations. It's such an enjoyable show to watch. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. That was 
John Morton and Jack Davenport. And Boyd, obviously. And time now for this week's listener question. We have a listener question this week, don't we? That's right, we oh, do. I forgot yeah. about this. I haven't done any... Uh, I haven't no, I, this, no so. neither have I. Well, I've not thought about it, but you guys picked one, so we're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> hoist by your own petard. Right, here we go. This one comes from Scott Matthewman, and he says, Hey, Pod. I have a question. The team behind the immersive Doctor Who theatre show are doing a similarly immersive Peaky Blinders show, in addition to the Peaky Blinders ballet. <laughs> yes, that is actually a thing. Uh, so what shows would the gang like to see as a piece of theatre, immersive or otherwise, if you could exclude the West Wing or The Expanse? That would be lovely. <laughs> luckily, luckily for me, he... Was that he? He didn't say exclude the OA. He didn't. So, no. uh, so I can immediately. That is the perfect question. They just shoot you down yeah. at the first. Yeah, exactly. No that expanse, no great. West Wing. So yeah. I can bang yeah. on a bit. In fact, imagine a recreation of the nightclub thing with the talking octopus and that whole. With Old Night, yeah. Consult with Old Night. Yeah, mm. that whole stuff. They could recreate that brilliantly. That, yeah, would, that work would be cool. Fantastically. So that's my main answer. Uh, Downton. I've actually been. Have you been? I've been. I to know. Hike. I've always are wanted we, to go to no, Hike. I'm Castle. sorry. We can't. We can't keep talking about that. We just can't. <laughs> sorry, no, but I would love can't. to do it because yeah. JJ Abrams. So I interviewed JJ Abrams before he started work on the Force Awakens, and we got talking about Downton Abbey because he was obsessed with it. And I spoiled Stop the fact it. that cousin Matthew dies in a car crash, and he was gutted. He got really cross with me. But there was a picture of him about six months later at Highclere, and he and then he went and there's a picture of him being told off by Mrs. Patmore by like whipping a pudding in the kitchen, and it's just. It's well, fantastic. I had a dream. Sorry, Beth. I had a dream day. <laughs> Staring at the desk. One of the greatest days of my professional life where Radio 5 Live um, Richard Bacon's show I used to do Richard Bacon's show mm. we do TV reviews and they did a whole show from Highclere Castle where they filmed Downton it was in the middle I think they were in the middle of filming like I don't know series 4 or 5 um, kind of right at its height it's reached peaks like 30 million people watching it and we did the whole show live broadcast outside broadcast from Highclere Castle with all the cast and crew there and I was tagged along for the ride like, they brought me along to, as, to, as, a, as a fan of the show so I got to hang out with the cast and the creators and, and walk around the castle it was fucking unbelievable and so yes they should definitely have a whole downton experience at high clear i mean i think they probably are going to do that anyway pretty much i've done it maybe but that would be fantastic beth is literally could not be done with this are we done yes yes we are done done now beth will not be going to your interactive immersive downton experience downton land not downton land the oar um don't tell me beth Naughty's Baltimore, The Wire, interactive <laughs> experience. Yeah. yeah. I'm a snake, snake in the grass. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Like double crossing and drugs. Wow. Got it? It's like you've seen it. Yeah. It's like I watched the whole thing. <laughs> like, um, uh, I can't keep saying Gilmore Girls. But just, no, you I'm can't. Gonna... You, if I can't talk about the West Wing or The Expanse, you 100% cannot bring up fucking well, Gilmore Girls. Because... Just a real low stakes, immersive experience. <sighs> you just run and have a chat with everyone. No, um, I've got one, two that are loosely um, linked. Uh, recent shows, I was thinking Only Murders in the Building immersive experience um, could be Oh, really like, so like not an escape room, but like a mystery thing where yeah. you've got to solve the mystery. With those beautiful like Nora Ephron interiors mm. and you've got to like yeah. go around and there's like the podcast playing in every room and you can listen to like Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez just kind yeah. of like breaking down the clues and you've got to go around and, and solve all of those. So I thought that could be really fun. Similarly, the after party immersive experience would be oh, fucking yeah. great where you could choose what don't look so upset, Jay. Uh, <laughs> you could choose which character you are, and then you get to choose a whole format 
of like you could be are you in the musical episode are you in the fast and furious episode are you in the um cop drama episode are you walt who's kind of just shuffling around in the background and is ignored by everyone but yeah hi i'm walt that that could be really funny so that would be fun with like the kind of murder mystery aspect would be really really fun um and then just purely to get immersed into that world i would love a loki immersive experience an immersive loki what at the tva yeah could you imagine that'd be fucking great oh, yeah, it would be good. you yeah. get to chat to what's her name Lady Time whatever oh, yeah. the big clock Miss yeah. Minutes thank you <laughs> Lady, Lady Time. Time Lady Time Can Miss you, Minutes yeah. Yeah. Yes. Karen, if you're listening Lady Time <laughs> is a uh, I can it, <laughs> Lady Time is actually a character from the book Assassin's Apprentice but let's move Stop on from it. that yes so that would be really fun Loki Loki step into that world and, and meet your variant and that would be really really cool and you can wear like the little horns and that I thought that'd be quite fun I went to a secret cinema of Stranger Things. Did you ever go to this when they did the Starcourt Mall? No, I can't. One be, for the I last can't be doing secret cinema. You don't Thank like it? You. No. Thank you. No. Oh, no. hey, all right, no. Captain Fun Sponge. Why don't you like <laughs> secret cinema? Captain Fun Sponge, man. No, because no, it's going to make me get political about this. But you see, during COVID, they got that massive grant from the government yes. for millions and millions yes. of pounds, despite having lucrative deals with not only Netflix, but Marvel and Disney. They're fucking fine. They are absolutely fine. But a lot of uh, UK organisations and and cinemas, venues, all lost out because the government gave this massive grant to Secret Cinema. Also, on a low, you've got me started. James is cutting this out. <laughs> no, I was like, I was, I was expecting a. I don't like the costumes and the snacks <laughs> aren't very good. And instead, I've got this political screed. <laughs> I just, I did give you a forward, and you did fucking ask. Yeah. And then as well, just on like, I mean, this is just like burning down the orphanage for Christmas type. Like, uh, they were going to do Dirty Dancing. I think it was in Walthamstow. Uh, and they were going to completely take over a community field oh, yeah, that was reserved yeah. for kids' football yeah. on, so, you know, little yeah. league football. Yeah. And when the local residents tried to challenge them on this, they were saying, we just want to put Walthamstow on the map. That was the whole thing, <laughs> was they wanted to put Walthamstow, and I live in Walthamstow, Walthamstow, again, absolutely fine, don't need secret cinema to be honest, they were going to take over a children's football pitch for the entire run of this dirty dancing thing. So and the it's kids... just people spending vast amounts of money getting drunk whilst pretending they're immersed in Blade Runner and Stranger Things. It's just the whole thing horrifies me. I, yeah. I was utterly unprepared for the <laughs> naked hostility there's towards, of, you oh, know, yeah. I thought it was a fairly yeah. harmless cosplay event. But there's a lot of issues about Secret Cinema. Wow. Massive yeah. issues. But, but at the Star Wars one, they had Lando's chicken. I mean, what's oh, not yeah. to love? My I dad mean... went to that one, to be fair, and robbed something off a Jawa. So that's a, <laughs> that's a really funny story. He got my brother to distract them and then he nicked some of the props. So <laughs> that amazing. was really, really funny. That's well, well my... we know that James steals stuff from uh, cinema as well now. No, no. See, this is not my fault. This is not my fault. I may or may not have been at a screening this week where, and as a journalist, like they provide free food and drinks. So you are just used to helping yourself yeah. to things. Mm. I may or may not have eaten mm. something I wasn't supposed to mm. and got in trouble. Do you know what my, uh, the, a similar story was I went to a, I can't even remember what screening was at this stage, but I loaded up, I, I'm terrible with free food. I'm the kind of person at an event, I will stand by where the, the staff come out of the kitchen. Oh, we all do it. Yeah. We, we all do it. We all do it. Mm. Even though like, I, you know, I eat fine, but I always like to do it. But I put so <laughs> many sandwiches on my plate once and put it near me that someone genuinely thought it was a platter of sandwiches and started to come up and help themselves while I was stood by it. And then 
I wanted the food so much. And I even just let them do it. But I tell them, and I was like, oh no, sorry, that is my plate of sandwiches. Did so you just took full ownership of the food. You pretend to be a waitress at the same no, time. Like, just walked away yeah, carrying yeah. it, like, you know, when you balance yeah. it on the hand. No, I tell her, and I was like, I'm sorry, but those are my sandwiches. I'd like a heaped plate of sandwiches, like a disgusting <laughs> amount to the point where they did just think, oh, yeah, that must be a platter that they've kind of left out. And instead of just letting them do it, I was like, no, they are mine. They are all mine. So embarrassing. Wow. That's brilliant. Great that sandwiches, though. At this point, we should mention as well. I wanted to mention uh, 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 the fans that rec- someone recognised you, didn't they? On the yes. Yeah. Um, I had. I meant to mention this last week, but I had lunch with my mum in the Ivy in Soho. The Ivy Soho. Of course, of course you did. And um, I was sitting there, and this this woman came in. She looked. She, she was just taking her headphones out, of, and she she looked at me. <laughs> she kind of pointed at me. She's going, "Are you Boyd Hill?" And I went, "Yeah." She goes. I'm, I've just been listening to the Pilot TV podcast. <laughs> Literally, I'm taking her headphones out now. And she sat down on the table next to us. And my mum goes, who's that? I was like, well, she's just a fan of the Pilot TV podcast. And she was so nice. She was like, yeah, I love it. It's, it's brilliant. And I said, oh, thanks so much for listening. She said, thanks for doing it. And uh, yeah, I didn't get a name or anything, but you know. That's amazing. Was... Beth, what was yours? Oh my God, mine was so lovely. So she's tweeted about it. Lovely, lovely Christine Quigley. Uh, I was, uh, and I, I know what a parody of myself I am. I was at a brewery in East London. Stealing sandwiches or? Just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was having a, having a belated birthday um, thing and uh, this lovely lady, Christine, was in the queue and came up to me and she said, are you Beth Webb? And she was so lovely. She was like, I just wanted to say, you know, what you guys do consistently, especially during lockdown, was is really special and thank you. And then by chance, um, well, it wasn't by chance because I'm friends with Amon, but Amon was there as well. So he came over and, and we had a little chat and she's absolutely lovely. Aww. And then she tweeted saying, never meet your heroes. And then I went on her Twitter account and she's like, a mastermind semi-finalist. Wow. Like, What's a special subject? What? I don't know. She's not got it in her bio. I, what, that, what, that doesn't but help she's me. She's done that. She's, she's this like amazing labour member. She does all this stuff with like public affairs. And she's saying, don't meet your heroes. I'm sorry, Christine, but you need to reassess who your heroes are. We That's just amazing. talk about Gilmore Girls for pay. Do you know what I mean? She's so, like But she amazing. said, don't meet your heroes. But they say, no, not Because that. that's what you say when you meet your heroes and they're dreadful. Like, so, yeah. maybe she no, had said something I, I slightly different. Wrong. She said, never, never meet, they say never meet your heroes. Right, okay. Don't meet your heroes. Right, just, okay. Uh, no, it was like, they say never meet your heroes and it was just a lovely tweet and a lovely experience and it made, it made my day. It was Aww, lovely. She that was is very, lovely. Very sweet, yeah. Meanwhile, I have OB underscore one. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've all had a good week. We've all had a good week. We've all been appreciated. I've derailed the listener question there, sorry. It's fine, I think we're done. Uh, if you have a <laughs> the question you would like I don't know half answered feel free to send it to us at Pilot TV Pod on Instagram or Twitter and Sophie will pick it up there uh, let's move on to this week's news what do we got in the world of news this week so off the back of my after party answer I'm so happy that Zoe Chow and Sam Richardson are returning to the after party for season two um they just had such a lovely storyline, I think. In, I mean, it was all great. It was all absolutely brilliant. I love the after party. I'm glad it's coming back and I'm glad the two of them um, are back as well. Um, their episodes were both really, really great. Characters are really, really great. Glad we're getting another season. That and the new really cast great. members, I think you've buried the lead here. Oh, maybe you haven't seen it. Jack Whitehall is joining <laughs> are the you show. Are fucking joking I am not I've fucking kidding you. Yeah. I you missed it. I thought that I was like, oh yeah, Beth's going to go on to Jack Whitehall. My mate, your fresh mate meet, mate. from Fresh Meat. Jack Whitehall, exactly. Elizabeth Perkins is in it. In, yeah, they've announced all this new. Co- I think maybe this is literally today. What Sorry. The hell? Yeah. So <laughs> this that, is great. This is great yeah, to learn it in even real better. time. Now James probably barely knows who Jack Whitehall is, although he did profess to watch Fresh I, Meat. I, I, I. 
resent that. Okay. okay. I've not only have I seen him live, although it was oh, accidental. Wow. I went to a comedy show in Covent Garden. He was one of the you know like they surprise like proper big yes. like big comedians sometimes yes. turn up to to try out try out new material. Yeah. He did. He turned up oh, and did wow. it. Did that there? Wow. But yes, I was a big uh, fresh meat fan as well. Oh, yeah. I watched all of Bad Education. Oh, okay. Interesting. There we go. I did a set of visit to the Bad Education film in the wilds of Wales. Seen that? <laughs> yeah, no, I really like Bad Education. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Really funny. Made me laugh. See, it was a comedy, and I liked it. Of an outlier in the game. Oh my god, it's so confusing. You know, this is why Ob underscore one likes me so much yes. because I'm so unpredictable. Yes. Yeah, I think that's yes. part of my appeal. And um, we got a second trailer for Hacks. You know, we did, which yes. is so funny considering we got the fucking first season like, like five minutes ago. What, mm. Yeah, five minutes ago, and, and it's been that long in America that the second season is now. At the point where but, we've got the trailer. And there can be no excuse, kind of, for not to just show season two as soon as it starts. In I mean, what, yeah, what, it well, they don't have to spend a fucking year no. getting around to it now because it it's found its home on Amazon Prime and they should just Prime Video, sorry, and they should just sort it out. Exactly, but, yeah. exactly yeah. that. But it made my heart go. It was funny. Sophie, our social media editor, and I watched it exactly at the same time yesterday. Both laughed at exactly the same points. It's just just more of the same. It, it, oh, it just yeah. looks really, really, really good fun. It's brilliant. Um, did you see this is more on more on the Netflix situation that we um, talked about last week? Oh, the plot thickens. The plot does thicken. Um, uh, there's a whole there was a whole feature in the Hollywood Reporter yesterday mm-hmm. uh, arrived yesterday. It will be now there for anyone to see. It's called ne- Netflix's big wake up call: the power clash behind the crash. Ooh. what a great headline! Um, and it's all about the internal machinations and rivalries within Netflix um, bigwigs, basically, mm. um, Ted Sarandos, etc. And they put a lot of its issues. And it, what's interesting about this article is it's it's not anything to do with really the share price issues and the people sharing their login problems and all of that. It's about the content. And it's talking about how, you know, for various reasons, the content hasn't been good good enough, and it's all and they and they a lot they they lay a lot of it down to um, certain people leaving the company at first, various times, and the people responsible for its biggest and best shows leaving, and all it's really interesting. Anyway, but is what I'd say. Um, and it's definitely the and all, and it, what's also they quote lots of the rivals saying Schadenfreude of the rivals because you know Netflix does have a unique way of running itself. Mm, mm. They poach loads of staff. They have very you know, the contractual way they deal with people um, is very interesting. Creatives and stuff like that. And there's definitely massive, massive Schadenfreude from all of their streaming mm. rivals going. Well, we our our model is is more nuanced and complex and creative yeah, than that. Yeah. I still think you know I, I'm sure Netflix can turn it around and. They'll, they'll be fine and there'll be loads of brilliant shows coming up, I'm sure. Mm. The Witcher spin-off, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating world. What's happening with Netflix? Yeah. I, I mean, it was... You always do feel at this stage, you're like, it had to go in on itself at some stage. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. It is an interesting time seeing them not saturate that marketplace anymore by yeah. any stretch. What is happening in the world? Are you both devastated here that Melissa McBride has exited the Daryl and Carol Walking Dead spin-off? No, 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 I'm over it to be honest. They're yeah. shooting it apparently in Europe because obviously they are they shoot everything in Atlanta, but uh, they're shooting in Europe. And apparently, moving to Europe was uh, logistically untenable okay. for Melissa McBride. So no more Daryl and Carol show. Hopefully, we'll still get the Maggie and Negan show though. So you know, Beth, you you have that to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> brilliant reaction right okay okay, okay. what else has been happening let's have a look um, oh we got a big sexy uh, trailer for the Essex Serpent 
Um, did, yes. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Some of us might have watched trailers for the Essex yeah. Oh, you've yeah. access to the trailers already, have you, boy? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I Big see. time. See, good trailers, are they? In fact, don't tell us. <laughs> you know what? But I don't want to bag on about, about um, embargoes. Did you say down to, I thought you were going to say no, down no, no, to Abbey. I like, I will leave. No, I've been the incredibly entitled review. But they had a screening of it last weekend. Yeah where people went and expressed their opinions about it online. And yet, it, there's a there's a review embargo, as far as I'm aware. Where we So actually, having said people can... Set, I mean, we will review it properly on this show, obviously, but it is fascinating. Um, how Have you watched... Have you <laughs> watched beyond the trailer? I've seen... I've seen... Two trailers, because right. <laughs> yeah. we ran it. We ran an interview with Tom Hiddleston in our ah, April yes. issue. Um, he was great. We did, yeah, whole bit on uh, going from God of Mischief to Man of God. That was my headline. Uh, yeah, and it's great. I think it's. I think it's a great role for him. And Claire, but Claire Danes, I think, is the takeaway of the trailer. Yeah, but also the direction. I, I, what really direction of the trailer? Yeah, why, <laughs> it's, it's totally a, a Clio, 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 Clio Bernard, yeah, Clio Bernard, yeah, yeah, Bernard. Yeah. It's a real. It really is like. She stamps her style mm. on it, I think, incredibly. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I wasn't... I guess it, like, it feels like a complete fit for her because of all the yeah. rural sea water thing going on and all the folklore aspect of it. It feels yeah. very much her wheelhouse. But I wasn't quite expecting it visually. I mean, I am literally... I mean, no, I think, you know, I'm bored and I'm breaking <laughs> the embargo. But it'll be fine. But how, how much visually is like completely like one yeah. of her films. And in the way in the way it looks and the way it's shot and all the all of that, yeah, yeah, edited, yeah. I thought it's interesting. Yeah, so that was. I mean, we we did literally start talking about the trailer. The trailer yes. is out now. Yes, uh, and it's exciting. There've been loads of trailers this week. The unfortunate thing is, I don't think I've seen any of them. There was the Night Sky one, which is J.K. Simmons uh, yeah. and Sissy Spacek yeah. for was kind of sci-fi series, which is on Prime Video. Mm. Uh, there's also Time Traveler's Wife got a trailer as well. Did you watch that? Yeah. That looks really good. Yeah, I'm yeah. Rose Leslie. That looks great. Steve Moffat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah, yeah. Uh, exciting. Yeah. It was uh, a little bit of uh, news about House of the Dragon costing more than Game of Thrones at episodes. They they've said it will be under twenty million an episode. So that's nice. Oh, good that yeah. they're pinching their pennies. Absolutely. Under I think Stranger Things has come out thirty million an episode. Has it? Yeah. Wow. I I think how much that. does a back comb cost? Like Fucking Christ. Hell, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know they built that mall and everything. They completely renovated the mall. I feel like they're going deeper and darker with the characters because the, the the baddie um, yeah. Vecna is yeah. uh, a whole thing. I think I think they're they're going in on the world building a lot more. Um, I don't know what they're spending that money on. I have got to be honest. No, nor do I. To be honest, yeah, you're right. I feel. I mean, there's a lot of CGI monstery stuff, isn't it? You, you forget. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite. It's a lavish show. It's definitely a lavish show. With lots of, and and I have read there's loads of different. I mean, you can tell from the trailer for season four. Is that what we're on now? Yeah. Um, that it's going to be loads of different locations and kind of settings. And it's more. It's much bigger. Like this is probably much bigger and more epic. I was right. Thirty mil. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Per app. That's where Netflix is. Absolutely uh, wild. Yeah, that explains a lot. That's where it's all going. Um, <laughs> in the, the reviews, the offer is, is uh, on its way in America, the, which is the yeah, um, yeah. Godfather yeah. miniseries. Um, has ten episodes, right? Yeah. That series. First of, and the reviews have been not have not been good. It's really interesting. We did um, we did the trailer talk. Yeah. Um, oh, for the yeah. offer, and we we <laughs> did not. I'm it not looks comical. It doesn't look comical. Yeah. Both from the, from the trailer and yeah. just the way everyone's attacking their role in this is quite over the top. Like mm. the way they're interpreting, you mm. know, Francis Ford Coppola, and the whole thing is told from the point of view of a produ- of a of a producer. It's not just adapted from a book or anything. It's adapted from a producer's experience yeah. working on the filming of The Godfather. It is. It does look quite comical. I mean, it's got a brilliant cast though. Miles, no, Miles Teller, Matthew Good, Juno Temple. We love Juno Temple. Oh, Giovanni, Giovanni Ribisi. I love. Um, uh, Colin Hanks, Bern Gorman, 
uh, isn't it? And Michael Tolkien, who created it, I love Michael. I'm a big fan of Michael Tolkien's mm. kind of created. He wrote the player, you know, and, and made some crazy films of his own. But it does sound quite whack. The whole thing. I kind of can't wait to see it. Mm. <laughs> you know, the fact that it's got quite bad reviews makes me even more. I'm kind of even more interested yeah. in the whole thing. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. And they have to launch Paramount Plus soon here because they can't, we can't wait ages for this to arrive. Well, also, like, because Strange New Worlds will be on Paramount yeah. Plus, yeah. Halo will be on Paramount yeah. Plus, so there'll be a whole raft of things. I don't yeah. think it's far away. I think I think we'll be seeing it in the yeah. pretty imminent future. Right. Other things I'm excited about, Dune Sisterhood has found oh, a director yes. for the first two episodes, and it is Johan Renk who did Chernobyl. So that's 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 good stuff. Yep, that's excitement. There is palpable. <laughs> Cannot <laughs> wait. Talk about Dante again. Cannot wait for that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think that was news. Um, right before, before, before we get on to this week's reviews, I think it's very important that we address a key problem with this week's episode, and that is there has not been enough nerdery. I think so far in this, much too much talk of Dante, not enough talk of spaceships. Uh, and by Kales's beard, I think it's time to address that. Uh, to wit, I bring you this week's second interview, which sees me geek out by no small amount because I got to meet Captain Catherine Janeway. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> Star Trek Prodigy uh, came to Nickelodeon last week. It was a very fun kind of kid-centered take on uh, on Star Trek Universe. And it's one that sees Janeway return to the bridge to help an embattled crew of its sort of escaped prisoners, including Gwyn, played by Yellow Jackets, and Arcane Star, Ella Purnell. Um, and I spoke to both of them. I spoke to Ella and Kate Mulgrew. Now, something to bear in mind, I did this over a month ago, and it was right back when, if you recall, I almost completely lost my voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Glory days. Exactly. So Obi-Wan loved that. That was the favorite episode. Uh, so if I sound a little hoarse, that's the reason why, and not because of all the fanboy squealing that I was doing in the run-up oh to the interview. God. So here we go. Me, <laughs> Captain Janeway. <laughs> a little horse. A little horse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. I should apologise straight off the bat. That I don't normally sound like this. I lost my voice this week. Too many podcasts, clearly. So I'm slightly hoarse. But there's a part of me that's thinking that this might actually be a good thing, because... I feel if I had my full vocal range, I'd be kind of squealing incoherently at the moment because it's fucking Catherine Janeway. And the teenage me is kind of unsure what to do with that information. I'm kind of losing my shit a little bit. So it's very exciting to be here with you. Big, big Voyage fan. Now, obviously, Ellie, you're kind of new to this world of Star Trek stuff, but you must be kind of peripherally aware of people like me who <laughs> get very excited by this stuff. Uh, I am. I, I also, even though I haven't seen Star Trek and I can't fully grasp the importance of this, I still feel the same way. So <laughs> just through osmosis, it's sort of the way you command rooms when you walk into them. It's I can tell. Um, but that's great. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm well, on the same page. Well, you were the same way, weren't you, Kate? When you got part Voyager, like you weren't into Star Trek, you didn't really know a lot, a lot about yeah. it. Were you just like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is this? Actually, you know, I, 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 I wasn't. I was so shot out of a cannon. I, I think he gave me three days <laughs> to, to get myself together. I was fully concentrated at the t on the task at hand. Yeah. And believe me, it took all of my powers of concentration and will yeah. and energy. and all it, Because it was just the part itself, the, you know, 30, 40, 50 pages of technobabble and <laughs> the hours and what it demanded. Uh, but soon enough, I understood what this meant. Yeah. And I've been trying to tell her all day. In fact, <laughs> I have told her. Um, that she's about to uh, embark on an, a very interesting journey, one that will follow her until she dies, <laughs> just for playing Ella in Star Trek Prodigy. Because what it does is stimulate uh, 
an audience that, as you well know, is yeah. cross-pollinated. My people. Yeah. Right. And uh, they will love this, too, as well they should. It's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. The animatics are just superb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The characters are so beautifully etched. And the idea that hologram Janeway springs up out of nowhere on the protostar <laughs> to guide them is pure Star Trek. And the kids, I think, are really going to love this. It's very funny you say that because you're absolutely right. It does look beautiful. Mm. And not all animated shows do, obviously, various things. But with this, the actual quality animation kind of stands out to me in that, obviously, we live in a time of very premium shows, very premium television. And it's nice that this feels a part of that. It may be for a younger audience, but it's not an afterthought. Like, it's beautifully rendered. It's got progression. It's got an ongoing narrative. Well, you know, I think that this is down to uh, Alex Kurtzman, not to mention Dan and Kevin Hegeman. Um Kurtzman is the visionary. Mm. He's uh, uh, adopted the, the mantle of, of Star Trek, which used to belong to Rick Berman and before yeah. that Gene Roddenberry. But um, it's these guys, Dan and Kevin, who I think brought an idea to Kurtzman that was so sublime, so perfectly etched. I mean, they're Emmy Award winners for a very, very good reason. Mm. This is above and beyond the call of duty. And I think Kurtzman said to them, if you're going to do this in my uh, wheelhouse, if this is going to be called Star Trek Prodigy, we're going to have to get serious yeah. with the animation. We're going to have to get serious with the, with the writing. Mm-hmm. And these characters are going to have to be indelibly etched in the minds and imaginations of these kids. And so they did it. Well, because it's an interesting time, really, for Star Trek. So you probably missed this sort of being your age, not to be patronising, because Star Trek has been a fallow period, I would say, for the last 20 years or so. So Voyager ended, and then it kind of rested last year. We had Enterprise and stuff. Voyager ended. It did. It was around 2001, I want to say. Yeah, about nine, I think it was 1999. Was it? Maybe. God, it was just, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a really big thing for me when it finished. But, you know, honestly, I'm <laughs> You're a emotional. doll. I, I absolutely <laughs> love witnessing what's going on. I wish the camera could see the flip side of this. <laughs> but it's true, and genuinely, and I, and I honestly say this, like, in a time like now when we've got war, we've got pandemic and stuff, like, we need Star Trek because it's always been for people and escape. Like, yeah, there's something about, because it's, uh, it's a utopian future. It's like a post-poverty, post-money future. It's all about exploration and the human spirit. And the ships are cool, you know. It was all that stuff that when you were having a bad time as a kid, you could just watch Voyager and you could be on Voyager for like the next 45 minutes or so. And that was a, a solace. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And people, I guess, haven't really had that for, for this time. I think they've missed it. Well, I think there's been a hue and a cry evidenced, obviously, in the yeah. product at hand that it's Picard, it's Discovery, it's yep. Lower Decks, it's an yep. entire slew. But this, I believe, I mean, I really don't think I'm mistaken, is genuinely a cut above. Aiming at what is left of the audience, of the world, which are young, young children. Yeah. And so Kurtzman, in his, you know, incredible, astute foresight, understood that if he can crawl into the minds of and imaginations of a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, then he's done the entire circle. Mm. It's an elliptical paradise for Star Trek. It's genius, actually. Well, it feels it feels like it, it has a niche because I would say if you go back to the earliest Star Trek, like Voyage and Next Generation, it felt there was a universality to it. Like you could be five, you could be 50. There was something for everyone. Whereas it feels like, I think Picard and Discovery skew a little bit older. So I wonder whether that younger audience isn't catered for in the same way at the moment until Prodigy came along. Like, it gives them a way into this world, which is nice. Uh, yeah, but, uh, excuse me, but also says to their mum, sit down. Yeah. Uh, Watch mommy, it with me. Explain yeah. to me what that is and what that is. She will anyway, yeah. right? 
and the grandfather will anyway, yeah. because they're all very attuned to it. That's what I think is so wonderful about it, so wonderfully clever and so hopeful mm. about a very, very hopeful idea. Yeah, mm. and your character is the bridge between these exactly. different worlds as well. And she has to be hologrammatic initially. Initially. I'm not, I'm not giving any teasers, but yeah. she, she has to be, otherwise there's no sense to it. But what is very clever is, is these characters, because it's so motley. Yeah. It's not Star Trek related at all, and mm. yet... And yet, I was going to say, as someone who doesn't know much about Star Trek and didn't grow up, you know, watching it and loving it the way you did, it's, you know, it's the same as these characters. They don't know anything about the ship or this world when they come into Mm. it. So it's great for kids and it's great for adults who are new Star Trek fans. But then there's also enough Easter eggs and familiar faces and things for the Star Trek fans who already exist to enjoy it and get something new that they haven't seen before out of it as well. Like on top of that, what you said, the the animation is absolutely stunning. Like there is really nothing like it out there. Like the way that they cut the lighting on your cheekbone, like the reflection in the eyes, like the tiny, we're talking about this earlier, the micro expressions and like the eyebrow flick. I mean, it's visually stunning. Um, and on top of that, really sophisticated. Like, it's not just for kids. It's it's smart. There's an emotional cause for it. It's funny. It really made me laugh several occasions. It's There's really li- little bits for Every everyone. single production value is, is sublime. Yeah. I mean, it's just a confluence of, of absolutely remarkably good stuff mm. from the music, as she said, to the oh, animatics. The music's great. You know. I forgot about the music. It's just the breadth and scope and size of it. I think the mm. kids are just like, oh, yeah. you know. Even to the extent that a live action doesn't quite fulfill that last pitter-pat. This will, because it's all up here. Well, I find it really interesting. We kids naturally access animation in a way they don't always access live action. I've always found the opposite. I've found animation almost as a barrier sometimes to me getting into a story. And weirdly, last year was my first breakthrough with this, where I... Kind of, I saw an animated show and I was like, this is one of the best shows of the year. And it was Arcane. And Aww. I was like, this has blown my mind because it was one of the most stunning things I've ever seen. Yeah. And just the characters so much Did to you it. have a voice in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, this was your first voice acting thing, was it not? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, Did you know that when you went into that? Were you like, I can see this is special? I did. <laughs> I mean, I knew just because of they'd spent 12 years making the show. So you can't, you know, if it had come out bad, it would have been very embarrassing for everybody involved. Um, but I could not have predicted the huge success of, you know, I, I mean, mm. there's no way to know it's any incredible. of that. But yeah, I'm very proud of that show. But explain to me how this works, because I mean, you've done so much voice acting. I mean, you were doing it in the early 90s, weren't you, Batman, the animated series? Oh, much earlier. I've played all the Dragon Age games, Flemeth, great character. Did you? Yeah. Uh, but... You know, like, how does it actually work? So, because you're in that booth on your own, aren't you? You're just doing this in yeah. isolation. Like, I'm not an actor, but I would have thought, you know, the 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 sets and the costumes and stuff were such an integral part of getting into a character. Like, what do you do when you don't have that? You really fly because you don't have those necessary constraints. Yeah. I love them when I'm on set. They're key, of course. But when you're in a booth alone and it's just you and the engineer through the, pa- the, the glass and usually the producers and the director on, on the Zoom and then the screen where you can watch yeah. what's going on, it's magically as if you yourself are a child again. Mm. And there are no inhibitions and there are no fears and there's none of that silly shyness that often besets one on, uh, in live action. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm being watched. I'm being. That's the whole point. Yeah. But in the booth... 
And I'm a mother of, of uh, two young sons. And I was once. They were once young. <laughs> I mean, I, it reminds me of, of telling them stories. It's a very secretive, marvelous thing. And the more you try in the booth, oddly and wonderfully, the more you do and the more you can create. It's very relaxed, which allows for everything. Don't you find that mm -hmm. to be true? Yeah. Whereas on the set, it's kind of, okay, i got to get to There's the mark there on my lines. I better mm. get to get... It's a different discipline. Yeah. Yeah. It's very freeing. What you said about it feeling childlike is definitely how I... Well, we don't have to retain. It's right there. Yeah. The script. Don't, you don't have to get ready, learn yeah. anything, prep. You no, can literally you're totally just, relaxed in yeah. your sneakers. Which means you're being natural. You're not thinking, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're not practicing it in yeah. the mirror. No. At least I don't. Maybe Nobody's other professionals do. But and they just, just want to hear what you're hearing in your own headphones. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's uh, just a set of freedoms as far as I'm concerned. So can you, like, but you still go into a studio. You don't do it at home. I go into a studio. Well, Angus did it at home. Who plays Zero? Interesting. Um, because it was most of the, at least the, the first, yeah, it was mostly through the pandemic. I went in, we both went into the studio, yeah. albeit on Zoom and protocols and everything. But um, I did my first audition in my closet, but that was the extent of it. Really. I've heard that about you. Yeah, I always do my auditions out of my closet. <laughs> but I was here working on something else, so I got to sort of uh, do it in the studio. I just prefer it. Maybe I'm just an old dog, but I, I really... No, it's better. There's a security to it. All that hard stuff is done for you. Yeah. And you can just concentrate on the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, it does lend itself brilliantly to, because we all learn to work differently during the pandemic. We all learn that so many things you can do when you're separated from people. I suppose this is a perfect way of being able to continue your craft without actually being able to be with people. Yeah, but I, do, I think we have to be careful about, I mean, I think the dynamic of person to person is uh -huh. absolutely crucial to creative work, yeah. to, the, to, to art itself. And I think the isolation of the pandemic mm may have been slightly the votes aren't in and we won't know i suppose for decades to come yeah. you, you you tell me you strike me as being very smart but i think that it's been as damaging as it was ever oh, yeah. innovative oh, yeah. i get that everybody's working remotely now mm. great yay yay but what does that say yeah. and what does that mean i live in new york city what does that mean 12 million people are going to work now out of their closets <laughs> with you <laughs> i guess it's not big enough for 12 million people you need a bigger house you wish um, yes no, I think you're absolutely right. But even doing this, like a face-to-face interview still feels novel to me. I've done two of these since the pandemic ended. Otherwise, it's been back-to-back -back Zoom. Mm -hmm. Everything's been Zoom. And there's some simplicity to that, you know, because I can just get up off the sofa, walk into the other room, do an interview, go back, continue watching what I'm watching. But you lose something. I it doesn't know. demand the same well, you, urgency. No. The yeah. same complexity. The same freshness. Yeah. Do you know, it just doesn't. No. I'm not looking at you, really. I'm getting away with murder because you're just yeah. on the screen. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think I, like, I have a chemistry test over Zoom next weekend. How am I supposed to have any chemistry with anybody over Zoom? I have no idea. I've never done chemistry. Before. Are you in school? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? A like for, for an audition, like a chemistry read with another actor. Yeah. To see if we have chemistry. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't. This is where I am. I thought for a minute she's at <laughs> she's on straight offers. She goes never done chemistry yeah. read in her life. It's been a while for you to have. Some of us have to audition <laughs> still. <laughs> really, to see if there's chemistry. <laughs> yeah, but the point being, how am I supposed to do that on Zoom? It's kind of easy on something you know like animation because if 
sometimes I'm lucky they'll play someone else's lines in my in their headphones while mm. I'm doing it. But it doesn't really help that much anyway because it's like you get how they're going to do it. Uh, Most of the time you read it with the director. If I were a producer and I were going to pay, put out a lot of money, I'd want to see you in the room, mm. you and the guy. Oh. <laughs> right? And we should write to him and tell him. Yeah. Right. Now. Offers only. <laughs> Genuinely, I have a question about this. Like, this chemistry testing, is this like the I most stressful thing? It. Because... Bearing in mind, like, when you read for something, you're like, it's your skills, like, I have control over this. If it's a chemistry you've got no control over whether you're going to go on with it. It feels to me like it's as stressful as, like, a first date. I don't know. It's just a thing. It's very strange. I don't know. I also think it's, like, I don't know, we're actors. We can pretend to like anyone, right? <laughs> like, we can pretend to have chemistry with literally anyone. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is about just, like, seeing how you look together, maybe high. Mm. I don't know. But Ella, I've never heard that expression before. Really? Never. Chemistry testing. Chemistry no. test. No. Come in and see how you guys get along. Yeah. You've really never heard that? Never. That's so strange. I've I wouldn't be able grown to grown up in. around just doing those. I never get it. I never got past the chemistry. Because you can't test. fake chemistry. Or can you? I hope you can. <laughs> Otherwise I don't stand a chance. <laughs> over chemistry Zoom. Test. Oh well. I don't know how you do that remotely over Zoom. I mean I imagine it's hard enough to do it in person. But I mean that's what it's we're fun to do it in person. Because you're gonna know. Right? Yeah. There's an end game to it. Yeah. But on Zoom? Oh, my heavens. Wish me luck. Well, I'll let you guys know how it goes. <laughs> yes. Before I let you guys go, and I'm going to get thrown out very soon. <laughs> but obviously, it has been a pandemic. You may have noticed. There's a lot going on. We spend a lot of time at home. Like, obviously, you're actors. So I took a lot, I spent a lot of time watching television. Luckily, it's my job. But you take a lot of solace from that stuff, and you can go places because TV can be transportational. But, like, does that work for you as well? Or are you just like, this feels like work. Like, I'm looking at the way this person's acting. This is work. There's like a sweet spot you hit. Sometimes, if you're, it, sometimes I, I find anyway, if I'm distracted or I'm grounded in my life or yeah. if I don't like the job or the character, I've got some personal hang-ups, like it does feel like a job. Mm. And then it's slow torture. But then there's a sweet spot you hit when you're doing it and it fit, it hits and you forget where you are and you forget who you are and you just play and you do all of that. And that's like the truest that's like when all of this is connected and it, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like anything. Do you find that? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting question. Do you mean that do we do it by rote? Well, no, it's just about, it's about, I suppose it's about being able to sort of detach this everything. So, for example, as, as I'm a writer, like sometimes, like when I'm not working, the thought of picking up a magazine just makes me feel ill. Because I'm like, this, really? I cannot look at this without subbing it. Oh, that comma shouldn't be there. It's driving me nuts. Like, I can't deal with it. Like, I have to do something completely different because it's too... But I can watch. I can watch performances. I can absolutely get lost. And you don't, you don't sit there and think, oh, I wouldn't oh, have done no, that. Oh, no, it's heavenly entertainment. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a relief. You watch it differently, though. Like, you, you know, you're always, like, looking out, well, me anyway, I'm always looking out, like, continuity errors yeah. or, like, oh, yeah. I wonder why she made that choice. There is always going to be that analytical side of your brain. Yeah. You're like, they should have failed the chemistry test. This is <laughs> No chemistry here. <laughs> then clearly you haven't seen Yellowstone. 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 What's Yellowstone? Are you a big Foster. fan? Oh, I get that. I just was riveted to it. Uh. Riveted to it. And also all creatures, great and small, on PBS. <laughs> but it's laughing, but it's so beautiful. Did you watch Yellow Jackets? That's the question. This is this one. Yeah. That is the question. I'm going to go home and watch it. Hashtag justice for Jackie. <laughs> okay, good. 100%. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think I'm out of time, guys. It has been an Thank you pleasure. so much. It's lovely to meet you. It's been ours. Thank you. You're great. Watch your voice. Yeah. Honey, Honey lemon. lemon. This or maybe, shh. Or maybe just stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is this is the universe's way of telling me to just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Right, time now for this week's reviews. Now, I know, 
I know you were all as devastated as I was when Prime Video took Bosch off the air. But fear not, because Prime's loss is Amazon Freebies gain and spin-off series Bosch Legacy comes to that service, continuing the story of Titus Welliver's former LAPD detective Harry Bosch. Uh, but this time, bumping Mimi Rogers' Honey Chandler and Madison Lintz's Maddie Bosch up to co-lead status as well. Boyd, did this spin-off bring the Bish Bash back to Bosch? <laughs> Oh, wow. That is brilliant. First of all, well, first things first, right? This is just another series of Bosch. Yeah. It's not like a spin-off. <laughs> it's, not, it's the same character. More or less. With the same characters from the seven series. I mean, how many there were? It's hard to disagree. Oh, it's just fucking another season Give of Bosch. Give the people what they want, boys. Oh, I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I like Bosch as well. But it is weird how it's been completely like marketed as a whole new thing, a spin-off thing. It's just the next series of Bosch. I mean, the only change is he's now become a private detective and that's about it because we still it's, it carries on all the storylines from the previous series of fucking Bosch yep. anyway just to establish that little kind of weird thing it is you know everything if you like Bosch as I do like Bosch then you will not be disappointed I think the um, there's a couple of really interesting things happening I think his the, the main Bosch investigation that to start with is this really super rich figure who um, wants him to find someone from this guy's past. And there's all these people. It's a bit um, Chinatown-y, that, mm. that stuff. Certainly not only in terms of the story, but also the locations. There's this huge big mansion he lives in, which is, I feel was reminiscent, not accidentally, of the of the big mansion in Chinatown that John Houston's character lives in. Um, and it kind of plays on that whole, whole idea of like corruption and rich people and wealth. And then there's another story storyline involving a kind of heroically decent figure who gets stabbed who looked after homeless people during the lockdown and they refer interestingly to lockdown and COVID I thought which is an interesting um, creative thing to do I thought it works pretty well Um, and his daughter is now an LAPD cop and she's been partnered with this like badass um, veteran woman who's kind of like treats her like shit but kind of like just about reigns in enough to be not to be a complete professional monster in the world but I quite like the way that this series depicts cops actually in quite a kind of believably authentic way they're not by no means are the cops in this show um you know all decent good honorable people in fact some of them are absolute fucking nasty horrendous people and of course as we know in reality that is quite a common situation when it comes to american police people um so uh i mean everyone is doing their roles as well as they've ever done them as well as he's brilliantly entertaining i like the whole there's an earthquake bit where his whole you think his house is about to fall apart and that's kind of like keeping us and it is possibly about to fall apart and that's like keeping us on Edge, literally on edge is this, is yeah. this house so His we should mention this Hollywood ridiculously Hills. lavish yeah. house that he has which all the way through Absolutely. And the biggest mystery of the whole of Bosch yeah. is revealed in this which is how much the house is worth exactly which is very important information because the idea Beth because I know you're desperate to ask is that he sold the rights to his life and they made a film of it called The Black Echo which is the name of the first Bosch book and the proceeds from that bought him this house in the Hollywood Hills on stilts and it's yes. stunning with these glass yes. panoramic views yeah, it's it the was. house from Heat it's the house from Heat 100% yeah. Um, and they and they use it. That's and not having it. It is it is a fantastic location. They use it very well, mm. and it's you know I, I love all that stuff. Um, it's like an episode of Selling Sunset, of course, on Netflix. <laughs> yes, um, much like if that. If you want to see more porn, um, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard based, Hollywood Hills based housing pornography, Beth, as I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Then Selling Sunset is the show for you. So um, I was completely entertained. It's fair, the filmmaking, as we put it, slightly pompously, is fairly basic. I would say, uh, it's, you know, but it doesn't you. need to be anything more. But you, but it's interesting because James often pontificates about how basic the filmmaking is the 
filmmaking, the, the you know of of shows that are kind of like weekly, um, you know. Kind oh, of, we'll get onto that. Yeah, we'll get onto that. <laughs> um, you know your CSIs, and you, I remember when we what was it we reviewed the revival of Law and Order. Oh, Christ, yes. yes. And you were like being very down on the, but this is nothing really beyond that. How dare you? I mean, it's perfectly decently shot, but you know, in terms of the way it's directed, it's just it's it's you know it works. Don't get me wrong, but I think so. I've, as I always say, some shows don't need to be fancy or schmancy, you know, and in the way they're, they're not everything needs to be shot as brilliantly as Better Call Saul, for example. Let me yeah. just say that, yeah, and no. this certainly is not. But no. it's it's all about the stories and the cases and the character, and for that, it absolutely serviced it's what it serviced my needs very well. Because you never understand why I love Bosch, do you? Like, like, no, have you listening? I like Bosch as well. No, no, He's a fucking but idiot. you always say you don't understand why I love Bosch as much as I do. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I'm not obsessed with it like you are. Yeah, yeah. that is weird because there are loads of but police I, and I've tried to, just as good as Bosch. I've tried to yeah. I think it is partly because I think Bosch is a great character and I think Titus Welliver plays him magnificently but there's something about Bosch as a series that it's quite it's noiry which is nice but it's quite languorous and it, it replicates the feeling of reading a book brilliantly like yeah. really like it's never in a hurry to get anywhere and he does a very very good job of weaving in normally multiple Michael Connolly mm. novels into each series so this particular one is based on The Wrong Side of Goodbye which is one of them because this this is canonical so in the series of Harry Bosch books of which there are god like 20 something um Harry does retire from the LAPD. He's, he's older in the books, but yeah. and he becomes a private investigator. So it's it, you're right. It's so strange that this is a separate series because this could just be Bosch season eight. Because yes. but he's just retired and he's no longer a yeah, cop. It is Bosch season eight. Yeah, it is, and so much so that it actually the plot thread from season seven yes. actually continues yes. because it doesn't get resolved. It's so like, it actually resolves the, the previous plot set. But I think what's <laughs> different about this fundamentally is not just that it's on Amazon Freebie. It's that it's uh, it changes the dynamics. Because instead of it just being the boss show with supporting characters, like like uh, Madison Linz's character's daughter Maddie, she's now elevated up to a major role. So you get these kind of three threads. You get him as the PI investigating a number of cases. You get Mimi Rogers as Honey Chandler, and she's doing the legal side of things, the legal procedural, where she's fighting her cases. And they're often at loggerheads as well. They don't really see yeah. eye to eye. Yeah. And then you've got his daughter Maddie. And I've always really loved the relationship between... Bosch and Maddie. I think mm. they have a really great especially given that she grew up with her mother and it actually starts off a little bit fractious but they have a lovely lovely relationship where they're very close but there's a sort of a respect and a freedom between them. anyway I, I think it's really really well done but she it's like you get this rookie blue slash Southland slash high incident show which I love those kind of shows where it's those rookie LAPD beat cop shows like responding to calls and stuff like that and you get that as well which we've never had in Bosch and I like that it shows you that other side of the LAPD because because this was a show that was always about the institution. It was about the compromises Bosch had to make in order to do his job. And now that he's a private detective, you see it from the outside. Like he has conflicts with the police. That that case you talk about with the guy who gets stabbed, you know, his main issue is not the villains. His issue is the LAPD who aren't doing their job properly. And yeah. then on the other hand, you see Maddie starting out in the LAPD and being slightly disillusioned with it as a ground level boot. And I found those counterpoints really interesting as well. So I yeah, I think I mean it's one it's a great it's a great book. It's a great story. It's one of the more sort of Raymond Chandler-esque of, of Connolly stories because it is very rooted in that uh sort of PI oeuvre, which is actually what inspired him to become a writer in the first place. Um so yeah I think it's great. But honestly, more Bosch can only be a good thing, just generally. The only thing about this, and it's a really minor thing, but it's also quite a major thing. <laughs> One of the things I loved so much about Bosch, the texture of Bosch, was the music of Bosch, the jazzy oh, score yeah. for Bosch, and the title sequence was fucking wonderful. Beautiful theme music, wonderful shots, that reflective shot of the LA night, like it was great. 
The title sequence for this, like, I have to say, I did not enjoy the music. I did not enjoy the title sequence. And not mm. only that, now you come to mention the music. Sorry, Beth. Beth, Beth, Beth literally, <laughs> I can't wait to unleash over you. But I did think the set, the music to the first opening scene, which is this big set piece action scene involving his daughter on, you know, in a, in a distressing um, incident, uh, it was completely inappropriate. It had this kind of jaunty, almost like comedy music <laughs> going on. The music was so weirdly inappropriate and jaunty. So yeah, the whole music thing is completely bizarre. Yeah, it had a, it had it always had that music called Cool. It had the like had the yeah. had a very specific musical sting, which I loved, and it doesn't feel like Bosch without it. So that if there's my one criticism of this is yeah. is I need the old Bosch music back. There you go, Beth. <laughs> what did you think? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> What am I supposed to say? Like, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? What am I supposed to say is somebody's well, never, never even heard of Bosch until <laughs> I started doing this podcast. And even then it was just like the kind of thing where I probably could have done some reading and looked up on it and then I was like, I can't be bothered. <laughs> all I've done is just hear you waffle on about, wang on about Bosch for like two years now. <laughs> and now I've actually had to watch it because you've made us watch it. I know the fucking difference between Bosch Legacy and Bosch. I don't know. I don't really know what Bosch was. I mean, there is none, so don't, let's not worry about so that. So that's one thing. Didn't know Bosch was books, so that's uh, that's a new thing. Bosch books. Bosch books. <laughs> I just don't know what you, you just want thought, me to say. You just thought it was a German appliance company <laughs> and there was a seri- uh, seven seasons about fridges right. and ovens. My All my stuff is Bosch, by the way, in my flat. I have literally got really? a Bosch oven. Wow. And a posh yeah. I don't know what you want me to say. Did, I, I did, did you out, enjoy yourself? I, almost out of spite. I almost skipped over the recap. The 10 minute, by the way, it was oh, a lengthy was fucking recap. And I was like, I was so tempted to just cut yeah. past this. Yeah. Because it's, it's going to make absolutely fuck all difference. That's to a me. bold move, isn't it? To start a new show a, with a, a 10 brand new, minute recap. An allegedly brand new show. It's yeah. not just the eighth season of an existing show. That's so it why. is like all this stuff has happened and then they've just changed it to a different show. It's like fractionally different format. It's weird. Yeah. It's, li- it's bizarre. It's I don't know what you it's want a, me to say. I genuinely thing. don't know what you want me to say. I don't know who any of these fucking people are. I don't know what's going on, really. Even that that like two hour recap didn't really give me any context. I just don't know what the fuck is happening. It was just like there's a the daughter's because it just keeps it just starts I off t- running and I'm like yeah. I've, I've not t- even like the funny thing is what just struck me is that because we generally have a prior we prioritise brand new shows. Yeah. So the only so James Buss he's basically brilliantly got along with the idea that this is a brand new show even <laughs> on a technicality yeah, we've got it on a technicality and that's why we're reviewing it yeah but it's, it's, it's Bosch season 8 it's is Bosch what it is, eight is, what it is. We ne- <laughs> never have forced you never have forced you no, to review it I don't have a I don't have a clue it's not very well directed I could do come on it's not very well directed come on the script has to belong to a book on reflection that was written because probably about it's 20. fabulous yeah fabulous Jesus Christ where they they literally just shake their fists and go oh that LA bureaucracy bullshit that is that belongs to like like the 50s like yeah I I genuinely don't know what you want me to say to this like there's just I can't contribute anything other than it's badly directed he's quite charismatic he definitely didn't want you to say that no no (laughs) I'll give you that much it's It's wonderful, says Beth. So, <laughs> Bosch Legacy, the magnificent masterpiece that is Bosch Legacy, comes to Amazon Freebie on the 6th of May. 
<laughs> Next this week, we have The Staircase, an HBO Max miniseries adapted from a 2004 true crime documentary series of the same name, which stars Colin Firth as Michael Peterson, whose wife, played by Tony Collette, dies after falling down the titular stairs. Or does she? Um, aside from containing what may be the most low-energy rendition of Happy Birthday I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> Beth, does this bring the goods? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. I've, I do have to say, I said this to you both going in, what a fucking miserable week this is for TV show. Like, trio of misery. Not as in as in quality. You're just saying in death, tonally. Just death and... Tonally. Yeah, tonally. And, it, yeah. It's like... It's pretty, it's pretty bleak. Uh, <laughs> and this is this is probably the daddy of bleakness for this week. So yeah, it's uh, it's Colin Firth. He's um, a writer-turned-budding politician. It's not really clear. I've only seen the first episode, and I'm sure James has got some thoughts on why. We've only really seen one episode quite shortly. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's not really... It doesn't really go into, at this stage, how far along his political career he really got, other than he's made a lot of enemies in the police and, on the, and a lot of enemies kind of along the way through his... Um, his uh, reporting I think it is that he does write it he, he, he kind of um, likes to be kind of a vigilante is what I take from it um, part of a very wealthy family that's kind of him and Tony Collette's character um, Kathleen and then they've got various grown up children that they've brought in from former marriages and then yeah it, it all goes to shit because she falls down the stairs um, and it kind of toggles between two timelines as apparently it's just the way with fucking everything now isn't it it's just that's just what happens if it's not two timelines I guess that is one point I will say for Bosch she yeah. doesn't have two it's timelines pleasantly linear yeah. Yeah, very linear <laughs> <laughs> tremendously <Oddly> linear, linear. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it kind of pivots between the two and this this uh, seemingly happy marriage, seemingly happy marriage between uh, Michael and um, Kathleen. Um, and then, so it's between them and, and their past and then this kind of current day where and the aftermath of the death um, and the family kind of grappling with what's happening because now not only have they lost their matriarch, uh, Colin Firth's character is now a suspect in... Uh, in her demise. Um, I really like this. I did. Um, first episode was directed by Antonio um, Campos, who I, I like his film directing quite a lot. Uh, and I do generally like anything where, where Colin Firth gets to play against that, that kind of typecasting, I think is really nice. I really liked a single man when he got to, to play something interesting and American and um, a lot more nuanced and less kind of chirpy and, put your socks Brit so he definitely doesn't do that in this he's uh, yeah he's he, I mean he's still portrayed as a family man very much and they're a very solid family unit um, but it is great to see him play someone super nuanced who's just been dragged through the bushes in this um, and then the surrounding cast are excellent so you've got Sophie Turner uh, who I really haven't seen her in much since Game of Thrones but she's it was a real like oh shit that's Sophie Turner kind of mm, it really was mm-hmm. um, so she not just because she's American but she um, yeah she's one of the kids as is uh, Dane DeHaan uh, Odyssey Young um, who's a great rising Australian uh, actress and then Patrick Schwarzenegger as well so they're the four kids and then you've got people like Rosemary DeWitt in this Michael Stuhlberg um, Parker Posey who is just one of my favourite performers of all time and she gets to be this real kind of southern she's kind of planted in the court case to seem sympathetic to the broader family 
um, but has an agenda and she's she's just great there's a great reveal of her where she's got this newspaper and she just puts it down it's Parker Posey and I was like yes <laughs> this is gonna be good um so that was really great it's really well really really well written and it's just very 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 well performed uh everyone we really are fucking miserable in this in this opening episode everyone's crying as you said it's the most pitiful rendition of happy birthday oh it's sophie turner's character's birthday and you know they're trying to kind of summon together some sort of normality and it just pans but, you know even that is is well handled it's it's great kind of genre crime storytelling as well um and and Colin Firth's character's got some secrets as well that they're kind of probing into um at the end of the episode so yeah I I really enjoyed this it really hooked me and the performances especially were really 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 good but um it was just a bit of a nightmare to watch that was uh I would have liked to have watched more but it was a bit of a I don't know, you've got to check yourself in moments like this, but it really was a bit of a shitter to try and access. Um, so just the one episode from me. I mean, for me, this is interesting because the, the, the original documentary series that this is based on, Yeah, you know, I can remember watching it when it it was first on BBC4, the first version. It was like a French, made by a French director, an incredible thing. It's really up there, This the, the original true crime series with like Making a Murder of the Jinx. It's probably one of, I would say, three or four all-time classic um, true crime documentaries because and in this particular case it had incredible access to him and his team mm. to um, uh, Michael Peterson and the the legal team so that the Michael Stuhlbarg character in this who, and you basically saw them piecing together the evidence and their case for the trial for the subsequent trial mm. meticulously week by, you know episode by episode and then if I remember rightly, it became once making a murderer came along, and, and true crime became just kind of exploded, didn't it, as a genre? Mm. Really, uh, Netflix then commissioned new episodes of the Staircase from the original French director of the series, and I remember going to a screening of of the new episodes, and there was a Q and A and everything. And then there's now 13 episodes of this, the the factual version, the original. Yeah, third, and some of them are longer than now. It's at least 13 hours of it, of documentary footage, mostly from like his point of view, from his, and his right. team's point of view, um, and it's fascinating. And now, and I know that the creator of this show, Antonio Campos, who you mentioned, who directed the first episode, he's he's been obsessed with it apparently going back to when it first aired and has wanted to dramatize. Originally, Harrison Ford was on board, I think, it was to play Colin Firth's character, which would have been fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you, Colin Firth is absolutely brilliant and, and shows how um, just what he can do as you say getting sinking his teeth and this is guy is a narcissistic he thinks he thinks of himself as some kind of genius I think which you see as you'll see more and more of that as it goes on and it's a fascinating case and it is I think the reason why it's become such a classic true crime thing is because the uh, the excuses used by this guy accused of murdering his wife Michael Peterson have become so increasingly preposterous uh, that it, it, it's fascinating that he dares to go there mm. with certain explanations of why he claims he didn't murder his wife mm. and then when once the secrets come tumbling out of his of his secret private life I don't want to spoil it if you don't know the story he kind of his bravado mm. in dealing with all of these setbacks that would have destroyed, you know, other normal, in quotes, people accused of this crime. He's, he's, he's absolutely just kind of, to use the phrase, he leans into. What did we ever say before leans into? I don't by the know. Way? <laughs> he leans into all of this madness yeah. surrounding the incredible, his incredible life. 
and the accusation that he that he you know that everyone else just assumes well who if he didn't do it then who did do it mm. um and it's just endlessly fascinating and I, and so partly when this was announced they were dramatizing I was like do we really need you know it's one of those do we really need to see mm. a drama series when you've got 13 hours of documentary yeah. about this case but actually as it turns out I agree with you it's really well written it's really it, all of these, we've done so many true stories recently, haven't we? True, and it's just like I think you know within the first few minutes whether you're going to go along with it, whether mm-hmm. it's managed to establish a believable, authentic kind of world. And I totally bought into this family, the setting, him and, and his narcissism, etc. The kind of different war- factions within the family because he's got yes. kids by previous wife, and yeah. it's like they're all and together, they're all, yeah. and then the f- the cracks the start, cracks to, start appear. to show. Mm. And you're right, the cast is phenomenal. Tony Collette, who we see mostly in flashback, obviously, because she is his wife has been killed. Sophie Turner, Patrick Schwarzenegger, Michael Stuhlbach, Dane DeHaan in a pretty small role. I yeah. mean, Dane DeHaan, not so long ago, was like the star of that terrible science fiction film. Julia Binoche arrives in episode two. I mean, you know, I'm not going to... Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. So even though I was very I was very sceptical about why the fuck do we need, basically, a drama based on this thing. Because, yeah. you know, if you know the story, if you've, if you've watched the documentary, I think if you haven't, then it's a, absolutely... But I, I think people who are who have seen the documentary will really it will find it really fascinating and interesting as well. And how loads of these people, all of these people involved are still alive, by the way. Like, you know, all of the lawyer, Michael Zubal's character there. Uh, again, I go back to my constant fascination. I want to see... Hmm footage of them watching this show mm. and how they respond to themselves mm. being depicted by these people. Oh, I bet it's they stay away from it. Like, I don't, no, like, can you, I don't think they can ever stay away from it. Yeah, it's true. If you, if you watch a massive, lavish, you know, drama yeah. based on you or yeah. depicting you, uh, you can never stay away from it. You'd have to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it, it, it's very compelling. I probably won't watch the rest because I know how it ends. So, but... <laughs> But it's but it's great. <laughs> it's, it's as you say, it's very well put together. But uh, staircase then on Sky Atlantic oh, yeah. and now beginning on the fifth of May at nine pm. Finally, this week we have D.I. Ray, which stars Parminder Nagra as a police detective drafted in to solve a murder. Although she quickly suspects her appointment to the job may have more to do with her background than her ability. It is, of course, a matter handled with the utmost subtlety and sophistication, as we would expect from ITV. Isn't this right, Boyd? Oh my God, you absolute <laughs> bellend. Um... <sighs> such a such a time again. Yes, it is actually. It is handled very well by this drama, I would say. So um, I think this. I, I, I've, I'm not. I don't know. It's kind of facile. But if you're going to compare crime dramas, Bosch. Hey, sorry, hey, I'm hey, hey. I'm, so, I'm going to go there. You, you I'm bite your go tongue. There. This is really interesting, this project, because um, it does star Pampindanagra as this um, as this cop who is told to her face by her superior, played by Gemma Whedon. Gemma yep. Whedon, the great Gemma Whedon, mm-hmm. who was brilliant in The Tower, another ITV, I think, four-part cop drama. She's playing a different cop. She's the boss cop yes. and the rather difficult, annoying boss cop who tells um, D.I. Ray that the reason she's been assigned to this case is it's, uh, quote, a culturally specific homicide. A homicide because she's an, a, an Asian woman that involving Asian characters and that's why uh, people, and that's why she's been assigned the case. And, th- and it's immediately thrust you in to this whole idea of is this a racist situation where mm. someone has been assigned to work on this case with the assumption that she's culture it's cult, that cultural specificity yeah. is matters to her mm. and it goes straight for that and I think it's a really interesting you know that's a really interesting angle on the whole story um, so I was immediately impressed by the fact that this isn't just a kind of 
bland, banal um, detective show. It has an incredibly gripping prologue. Right. Like a really good yes, prologue that drops you right in it, yes, which I thought it was great. Yes. Um, it's produced by Jim Mercurio's production company. It's written by Maya Sondi, who was in Line of Duty. Um, she's an actress, and she, I think, went to Jed with this idea for a show. And it's a really good idea. It's, it's you know, it's, it's discussing interesting ideas and interesting, and it feels very current. It feels very, it feels more than just your, 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 your standard, bog standard ITV crime drama, which is what you are <laughs> about to say about did, it I mean, in did your you review. not find it a little bit ham-fisted no, though? Like, it I felt didn't. clunkingly no. unsubtle to oh, me. I completely disagree. I, I thought it felt, felt complete. There are, uh, there are, you know, the, the, the team, right? I would yeah. say the team who kind of like clearly think that this outsider is brought in mm. and kind of like, there's lots of like reaction shots from her young cops who are like, oh yeah, Aren't she doesn't just... know what the fuck she's doing. All right, there's <laughs> too many of them. I'll give you that. That's a detail. But she is great. Paminda Nog has always she been is? brilliant. She is, can't, can't say um, a bad word about It's just refreshing to have a woman, you know, um, a, a, a woman of colour dealing with all of these issues up front in this kind of show, both from the point of view of the creator of the show and the star of the show. And I think that elevates it beyond above the norm. And I think it's a really interesting um, storyline anyway. And the way that she invests, her investigative skills, the way that plays out in the first episode is really clever and smart, I thought, in terms of the scripting and, the and you know, and you, I know you're going <laughs> to, it's so unpredictable, but if this show, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to say now, this show is better directed oh, than Bosch. Oh, stop. Oh, you just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing, like it's fine. Like, and I like the setup, and I like the idea of it. But I just thought it was really clumsily executed, and I just I winced, physically winced at numerous points. There is a part where you see video of a witness giving evidence, which may be one of the worst performances I have in my life experienced on television. And I was just like, why is happening? Oh, no, I just, I'm sorry, boy. I love the idea of it, but I just, this would, and and again, I felt bad. I feel like, like, it feels like I was some vendetta against ITV, which is not the case, but I watched this and was just like, what the fuck? Like, honestly. It's not a vendetta, it's just an inherent bias. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with ITV. I just, I find that a lot of the shows which happen to be on ITV that we tend to cover are not very good. How is this any worse than Bosch, though? I mean, while you're Because while Bosch on is it, brilliant. It's got this yeah, incredibly well... Even Beth has got to admit that Bosch has flair, depth. Bosch yeah, has subtlety. It's well written. It's really well scripted. Like, you know, this... Let's, here's the thing. Let's yeah. find out from Beth. <laughs> Hi, Beth. I think... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> tiny, tiny man's voice in the corner there. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, I do... F- <sighs> It is an interesting couple to have, again, miserable, but it's another like, it's an interesting comparison to have where you have something like Bosch that so readily glorifies cops and then this obviously delves into the fucking core of why police are inherently a bit shit yeah. uh, with institutionalised racism and just just a cherry on the, on the cake there. But um, I like this more than Bosch, I think is what yes. we'll start with. Yeah. Come on, come on. As someone who is not attached yeah. to the IP in any any sort of way, to oh, come in as a... What are you talking about? Uh, coming as just like a young woman to watching Bosch. I'm sorry. You know you knew right, okay. it's that. You Bosch knew. aside, Bosch aside, of the comments yeah. I made yeah. about this yeah. particular show, yeah. do you disagree with them? I think that it is quite clumsy executed, but... I think it is a strong concept for a show and I've only seen 
one episode so I am actually quite intrigued to see how they are going to follow up on it if they are just going to put forward the case that this poor woman um, has just been assigned to the case because of cultural incidents I think they call it in the or like oversights or everything else aside from the actual thing that is we're pretty racist in the in the uh, police meeting if they're just putting that forward that that's the issue then that is not really moving the conversation forward as I'd hope it would but it is really fucking intriguing it's told by the right people I'm a millennium girl so I love Parminder Nagra from uh, Bend It Like Beckham obviously I was very happy to see her on here Gemma Whelan I love um, Jamie Bamba from Battlestar Galactica who you would have been very excited to well, I was saving the best for last, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's obviously, I, I prefer a story like this that it's, it's very matter-of-fact about police instead of putting them on a pedestal. Like. So you say that about Bosch, but the whole I did point, say that about Bosch. I know, right. but, but the whole of the setup of this is Bosch butting against the institutional problems with the LAPD. So I'm not sure it does glorify them. It's weird how this has turned into a review of Bosch again, isn't it? Yeah, we need to move. Well, really Bosch was good, Boyd, so, you know, I thought oh, we'd just go back to that. Wow. Um, I just, yeah, I did think some of it was a little bit clunky in its, in its execution. That, uh, that was fucking, oh, uh, so, I'm sorry. She's clearly like a rising performer or whatever, but it was a dreadful, dreadful, <laughs> dreadful, like distractingly so. Yeah. Real Amdram performances in that that did distract from what was, you know, a, a good point to be made. Um, but yeah, I've only seen one episode. I do, I think what will make it good is, is to make sure that they are moving that conversation forward and asking important questions and answering them or at least posing solutions other than just dropping and you know that this is an issue I have you, you take an issue that you're already so fucking aware of and just dropping it in your lap and being like yeah aren't, aren't men terrible aren't police terrible aren't this terrible I, I want to see an evolution I want to see that kind of moving forward so yeah yeah that was uh, that was my thoughts on it really there will be a I heard I, I heard Beth agrees like, with me. That's what I heard from that. That's that's why yeah, I heard. Well, Did you, you hear would. that? Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> how deluded that is how deluded you really are. <laughs> anyway, DIRA airs on ITV, obviously. Uh when is it by? <laughs> it starts today, Monday, stripped across the week. That's how good it is. It's a TV drama event, four parts, Monday to Thursday, nine o'clock. Wow. Um <laughs> <laughs> what else is what else is out this week? Well, we hung together another very dark. Do you remember we did the series one of this? It's on Alibi um, with Eve Miles, etc. It's like an ensemble, quite weird and um, interesting police drama. That's on Alibi on Thursday, series two. Um, we didn't review that because it was series two. And yeah, we did review series eight. I think you find it is series one of oh, Bosch, Bosch Legacy, a brand new show. <laughs> Um, the other one, series two, is, starts on Friday, 9.30 BBC One. This was the very good comedy written by Holly Walsh of Motherland fame. Do you remember this? It's like there's two sisters who realise they've got the same dad. I know, you, you, haven't said the, you haven't said the name of the show yet. Oh, the other one. I think I did. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you said the other one. Oh, right. The oh, other yeah. one that's dropping is what? Oh, so this is called the other one. That's unfortunate. It's literally called the other <laughs> wow, one. Wow, we're going yes. for Abbott and Costello. Yes. Um, Lauren Socha, Ellie White are yeah, mismatched sisters who happen to have shared the same dad. And then in this, in this series, they bring in there's a mystery brother who arrives as well, mm. played by Christopher Jeffers. It's a really good show. Holly Walsh is a brilliant writer. It's really funny, but it is a mainstream BBC One sitcom. So, Beth, I was too scared to suggest you review it <laughs> because I'm bullied Don't on this show. You're, you're <laughs> bullied. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just leaving through. Oh, The Wilds, season two on Prime Video. On, remember The Wilds? This was about the... Um, yes, the, t- the girls. It was the, lost yeah, on an island of, right. of teenage girls. Yeah. Now, in this series, there's an island of teenage boys as well. Mm. Brilliant. Yes. The Terror 
season two comes to BBC. It obviously aired on Sky originally, didn't it? But it's finally coming to BBC two this week. I mean, that was years ago. Yeah, this is Terra season two. So this time. is the Japanese internment yes. series. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, but that is a bit weird that it's taken that long. <laughs> yeah, it's taken some time. Through. Devils is back, season two of that. What's Devils? Devils is Patrick Dempsey um, oh, as the kind yes. of like, um, it's like the money men who rule the world kind of thing. Conspiracy thriller. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, season two of Sky Atlantic and now on Friday at nine o'clock. Um, I think that's yeah, yeah, there we go. That's about it. Yeah. What is our pick of the week? The staircase. Yeah, it's the staircase, yeah, isn't the staircase, it? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It come as no shock to anyone that mine would, of course, be Bosch Legacy. <laughs> um, well, I guess that is it for this week's show. If you enjoyed it, then please do furnish us with a five-star review, much as OB underscore one did. Uh, I will 100% take any five-star rating. If you do want to abuse us directly, as Elon Musk would encourage you to do, then you can find us on Twitter uh, and indeed Instagram at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton and at Beth K. Webb. You should definitely follow the podcast itself at Pilot TV Pod as well. Next Next week, we do not have Parminder Nagra on, but we do have Titus Welliver, Harry Bosch himself, uh, who will be joining us on the show for some pretty impressive geeking out about, among other things, The Mandalorian and, of course, Bosch Legacy. Plus, Glenn Close and Niv Sultan will hopefully be joining us to sort Tehran Season 2. That's very exciting as well. Meanwhile, we hope to get our eyes on some possible combination of the Essex Serpent, the Lincoln Lawyer conversation with friends and Tokyo Vice. Which ones? Ooh, I genuinely week. don't know, but it's quite a big week. I haven't navigated or thread the embargo needle, so I don't know quite where we stand uh, on those. So uh, which ones? You'll have to wait and see. Pilot out. <laughs>